0: Nobody makes it easier to stay on top of all of your health concerns than Meridian Medical Services. Hey, it's JMV. Call them today, 317-925-0811, and schedule your heart screening. I know my situation. You should, too. Make the call. It is affordable. It is easy. And you will know. 317-925-0811. Nobody's more affordable. Nobody's easier than Meridian Medical Services. Call them today, 317-925-0811.
1: What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight. It's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now.
2: Hey, everybody! We're all gonna get laid! Get it picked up! It's Darius Leonard! A pick six for the maniac! Touchdown! In DY! Yes, sir!
1: Uh, oh of the block. thickest! Double tie! Miles Turner. Yeah! John, I have never been better. <laughs> To be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey,
0: welcome in on a Monday, very wet Monday so far. Thank you for joining us as a part of this particular program. I'm JMV. James is here. We've got stuff to give away, I shall explain. Last year's quarterback, or at least one of last year's quarterbacks, who's going to be doing some TV this year for the NFL, that's Matt Ryan. Talked about the blank show that this was a year ago. I think we're all too familiar with the blank show. And in fact, to a degree, you still kind of believe that the blank show is still going on. I will remind Matt Ryan, though, he was a significant part of that blank show. But obviously, the decision makers is where you'd start with that. Yeah, we'll get to that story coming up a little bit later on. Colts back in practice coming up tomorrow. Grand Park up in Westfield. We will be there for, I want to say, the Wednesday and Thursday of next week. Those are the night get-togethers with the Bears. And we shall be up there for that. So that should be fun. Actually, they'll be practicing and doing their work whenever we're out there and uh, broadcasting live. So I believe that is coming up next week. I want to say Wednesday and Thursday, but I could be wrong. I believe it's next week, Wednesday and Thursday. But it will be good to get up there. It will be good to uh, get some eyeballs on this thing from what you read, from what you gather. Uh, going through practice it's kind of funny somebody had asked me today so are you like those that believe this season is just one to try to get through to get to the other side to work the quarterback well I will say this it is to get the quarterback work it is to evolve the quarterback in the right direction now do I think that they're going to win more than six games no And I've said that all along. I've said, to me, I think they win one more than they did a year ago. And I think what you're going to have to do with that is, as an end result, accurately gauge what you think evolved for the positive with this team and starts with the quarterback. Now, I will also say this. You look at this schedule, and that's why people wonder, why is everybody already writing this team off? After a couple of weeks of training camp, Because if you look at that schedule, it's not like it's anything that's too daunting. But it's also not like that this roster is anything that incredibly impressive. And you also have to wonder, even if you suggest, if you're one of those out there, I'll give you a great example, right? So Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, for those in the fantasy football world, if you play with us for the bar restocks of the past, at some point in time, you are probably taking a swing at Kenyon Drake. And you probably took that swing because he had a significant Sunday. And you kind of went, oh, wow, this is great. And then you try it, and he ended up sitting on your bench doing nothing. (laughs) That's normally the operational procedure. But as we expected, he certainly is a name. And it kind of makes you wonder whether he is there for more than just, well, Jonathan Taylor's not here playing. He's obviously on pup, and we'll get to that in a second too. And Zach Moss, injured, broken arm, so you need somebody else. Let's get somebody else in here, and that's the guy. It kind of makes you wonder if because of his past and the quarterbacks that he has worked with, right? So I believe – He's worked with Murray and Jackson most recently. Is that true? I looked it up. I believe the Cardinals and the Ravens. So that wouldn't make sense that maybe you're looking at this a little bit longer term. Maybe you're looking at it a little bit longer term considering your running back situation right now. And that of Jonathan Taylor. And everywhere you go, anytime you bring anything up, that is going to be ultimately the first thing brought up. Is that of Jonathan Taylor? Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. Why is he sitting out? Why can I, they cannot come to a conclusion. Why, why, why? Um, And and this is going to be ongoing. Something else that we said from the beginning, that the Colts just want to see this dude play out his contract. Fair or unfair, that's the way that it is. I, I agree with those that would suggest that they do need him. Like, I understand when you look around with other teams in the NFL and you go, just slot some dude in there running back, whatever. But I think this helps out the process with this offense. And I also think you guys need a little bit of a pop here, too. It's always going to be problematic when you're two weeks into training camp and then everybody around here is talking about how crappy the season is going to be. Want to know why? Because... You were aware firmly of how crappy the season was a year ago. And you're firmly aware of how crappy the season ended the year prior to that. You've been basically neck deep in crappy seasons for a while. So you talk about a downer when all of us come out and say, I just don't see this happening. So to me, you'd want the best opportunity not only to help out, which is the major opportunity. The major focus is this quarterback moving forward here. But you'd want your best out there, wouldn't you? Now, clearly it takes two here. I, mean, I don't know what the whole operational procedure is here with Jonathan Taylor and his representation. I guess I would have to see how this works out in their favor to believe that this is anywhere near the right move. Man, we all get mad, don't we? Don't we all get mad? Get mad at how much you made? When's was the last time you got mad at how much you made? And felt that you were worth more? Like yesterday? Five minutes ago? Man, we all feel that way, don't we? At many points. Ultimately, what we end up having to do is Work. And get paid by working. I know it's different because it's the NFL. I know it's different because this is a professional athlete. But what I'm saying is I, I don't know how this has a, a result in what Jonathan Taylor's looking for here. I mean, it seems the Colts are absolutely firm on not budging off of this. I mean, even giving a little bit of money right here, right in the moment to like sweeten the pot a little bit, to turn that frown upside down. <laughs> Maybe get him back out there. A lot of you have noticed, too, that the the limp look, the slow walk. All we have to go on would be those visuals and then going back almost a month with Jim Ursay on Pat McAfee saying, quote, he is all healed up. <laughs> so then you can make your judgment. So much of this stuff. And this is why it seems like that this market, we're perfect for it. Because we've been through so much of this garbage in the past. And there's not anybody around here that wants to go through it again. Not one person. Yet that's where we find ourselves. You're judging the body language when he walks across the field. To me, this looks like a dude that's pissed because he's not getting paid the way he wants. And I'm sure he's hearing a lot out there. Get back on the field. We need you, Jonathan, whatever. <laughs> so I can't tell. I just go by what the owner has said. And the owner has said that he is good. He is healed. But yeah, to me, this is beyond whack. If you're talking about somebody else, then I could probably understand it. If you're talking about a team that had other weapons or had major weapons... Uh, in those those particular positions in the NFL that are required to play at a high level to have those major weapons, then I could get it. But again, this is just so drastically different here than it is anyplace else. I know that they're playing to win. I know that they want to win. It's just at the same time, you also want to see progress, I don't know if you look at this team right now, and you can, again, and everybody talks about, you know, Alec Pierce has looked really good. You know, the wide receivers you've been impressed with. Now, I know that I sound like Debbie Downer. I don't mean to, but you also have to bear in mind who these receivers are going against in practice. Doesn't sound like it's too much like Shutdown City in that secondary. Yeah, it's funny too. I was talking, I can't re- remember where I was talking about this. You know, people, I think it was Hagen last night. You know, Hagen brought up the interest from camp so far. And to me, the interest in camp so far is that the things that we should be talking about, the things we should be worried about, the things we should be critical about are not the things that we are because we're worried about other crap. Seriously. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Should be worried about the secondary. Who in that secondary is capable, is able of stepping up? I mean, you talk about having your fingers crossed in a particular category. That's it. And the offensive line, another area in which you have your fingers crossed. Yeah, we believe. Yeah, we believe we saw the product of the field a year ago. We're not even having those conversations now. Because the running back situation has so dedicated itself to 100% of the conversation around here. We're talking about some na- major situations. I mean, if you're going to be skeptical or doubtful about anything, you can start at both of those particular positions. Or in this case, those categories. Offensive line, secondary. We're not even talking about wide receivers right now. And it's not like somebody asked me this morning, I'd have to look that back up. Hey, I wish they would have gone out to get Calvin Ridley. Well, you know me, I wish they would go up and fill up their roster at that position with weapons to help their quarterback. So why wouldn't I feel the same regarding the running back, especially when he's already signed up and on your team? Why would I not feel the same? Well, it's apples to oranges, JMV. The wide receiver position is just more valuable. There is no doubt across the landscape of the NFL it is, but we're talking about the Colts right now. What's that saying? All hands on deck? You cannot afford just to piss away, in this case, a major offensive weapon, regardless of what position he plays. You can worry about that later. But it is absolutely insane how we would be talking about these other things. We're not talking about these other things at all. And I hope, I hope, for example, with the wide receivers, well, the wide receivers are looking great and Alec Pierce, there's no denying that Alec Pierce should make major strides this year. But there's also no denying that Alec Pierce should shred that secondary the way that it looks right now. In practice, He should take him to the cleaner, should he not? So you can look at that a couple of different ways. And as always, we certainly will. Nothing new on the Jonathan Taylor front. I mentioned uh, Kenyon Drake. So at least in terms of the quarterback style, Kenyon Drake has some prior knowledge to it. Yeah, we'll see how significant that is. Some say, oh, by the way, they did it, and others would suggest that it's more than just that. Uh, we'll talk about that over the course of the afternoon. I am sure Joel Erickson of the star is going to drop in. Maybe I'll drop in some of those questions because we have been hardcore-focused because you have to. People bring that up all the time. You know, why always about this Jonathan Taylor stuff? It's because that's why people tune in. That's why you have been looking past other people incredibly and I mean incredibly large positions of need because you look at this you look at this and you wonder from both sides what why is this such a significant issue and obviously I think everybody blames the representation and Jonathan Taylor and their stance right now doesn't make you wonder right how the Colts view it, considering there has been little to zero effort to help sweeten it. Hey, just go, you know, with a little bit, get back, get back out there. It's really important. Really important not to miss. How close are we getting to with Jonathan Taylor in terms of all right, how much practice are you going to need? Let's just say in, I don't want to say a perfect world, but a more positive world. Let's just say he does come back at some point here. How much practice does he need? How long has the guy not been playing? How much practice will he need to just wave the magic wand and poof, he's back? You guys go from analyzing how he's walking around from positionary drill to positionary drill then you go from that and poof, he's ready to go. I don't know. Seems like it might take a little bit, huh? Uh, that is where we are, and if you guys want to talk about it, you certainly can at 239-1070. We'll work you guys in coming up in a bit. I mentioned Joel Erickson and the Stars coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Query's on board here in the 4 o'clock hour. Um, I was watching the Nashville race. I'm not the biggest road course, street course fan ever, but I, I thought that was pretty cool yesterday in large part. Was it um, Malukas that lost his rear spoiler or rear wing in this guy? I don't think I've ever seen that. I was uh, rolling in here this morning. I had uh, a training mission, right? What's it called? V-Creative here, right, James? A training mission. And you guys can categorize training missions with what I do along the same lines of wanting to read or wanting to be a part of a meeting. Uh, Basically zero for me, right? So I came in this morning, and I brought Blake with me for a minute, and he goes, you know what? We were watching Nashville yesterday. He goes, hey, uh, how about a street course race here in Indy? And I was thinking about that. I wasn't thinking about it because it actually could come to fruition. I was thinking about it in terms of Malukas losing his rear wing yesterday because I, I guess that the road, the street courses, had a lot of rough patches there. Can you imagine? you imagine riding around here literally and i think it's just like a manhole cover it's like a manhole cover hole which sounds really weird to say but honestly i don't have the words since i don't read often i don't have enough words to accurately properly describe it so it's like a manhole cover hole and it's right there at washington and uh washington and Capitol. yes washington and Capitol right next to one of the entrances of the convention center that thing is like somebody's basement anybody driven over that they know what i'm talking about it's it's not just like a pothole it's it's a hole where i guess at some point like utility workers here in indy have to climb down in that to see what's up or in, you know some kind of metamorphosis alligator that somebody brought home from the everglades and dropped down the toilet and flushed it probably is lurking down in there too right all those sci-fi horror movies some out of control large alligator but this thing is literally like a basement so it wasn't in terms of ah yeah that wouldn't be cool because it sounds cool like i thought nashville was cool i thought it was a really interesting watch when they go over the bridge i thought that was really cool I was just trying to imagine it in terms of round here where you absolutely get shaken to pieces in your passenger vehicle. You imagine doing that with a race car of any kind? And by the way, too, anybody on a scooter, I can't believe that hole has not swallowed up every scooter rider going down and near Capitol, Washington. It is like a canyon. How much resurfacing would you have to do to even make that close to interesting? Kyle Kirkwood was a winner yesterday, and I thought that was a fun race. I did. I texted Jake a couple of different times during I'd never seen that before. Yeah, I know a lot of you a lot of you referenced Ric Flair being there because you guys always love the spider on the head of the Nature Boy story that once upon a time happened to me have you ever heard that story james spider on the head all right for those of you not privy to the spider on the head story years ago rick flair came out to carb day and we all do the carb day at pagoda plaza well it was me and clayton anderson he was out there with me and the nature boy rick flair walked up and we started talking we were all three standing up And as I noticed, I looked over to the nature boy, and the nature boy had a spider on his head crawling around. And I thought at that moment, what do I do to a guy like Ric Flair? Do I tell him, hold on a minute, there's a spider on your head, or I just let it go? What do you think I did, James? I'm assuming you just let it go. I just let it go. I just let that spider—and you talk about something being off-putting and and i had all these questions and all this knowledge of rick flair in my head i mean all these questions ready to fire and the only thing i could think about is how this spider was crawling all over his head it was just all over it wouldn't get i mean it's not one of those i mean should i have just like flicked it what if i would have flicked it off his head just like a, like that i don't know if that would have gone very well for you i know he's old but it's still rick flair what was his signature move uh,
3: What was it? He would kind of, I, th- I think he would like kind of cheat was and stuff the like that. Was it the figure
0: four leg lock? That's
3: what it was. It was the figure four leg lock. That's well, what it was. he put
0: me in a figure four leg lock if I would have flicked the spider off of his head during the interview. So that's, and thank you very much for reminding me of that story yesterday when Kevin Lee was on NBC talking to Ric Flair. Kay Lee, too. Kay Lee's got to keep that microphone up there for him because Ric Flair is ready to woo. And the television cameras have to hang with that woo. But literally, this thing crawled all over the top of his head, and I go, man, I got to tell this guy he's got a spider on his head. And I didn't feel bad about that. I don't feel bad about this. This is the type of season that has been with the Reds. I get a lot of Cubs fans that want to get at me like, ah, you Reds. And I've told you this before. I expect stuff like this. I expect it. And especially after Friday night. Yeah, it's one thing. I mean, you, you get three or four taken from me by the Cubs. They haven't won in a week, by the way. Haven't won since last Monday when they won at Wrigley Field in Chicago. But true story, with a pitching staff that lacks like this, uh, Jake Fraley going down, and I, I guess Friday night being unavailable as he was, I would have, I would have put anybody out there except for Stuart Fairchild. I would anybody, like if you had been in the stands eating a Frisch's Big Boy, I would have pulled you out of the stands and said, take a bat and go to the plate. Anybody. Anybody. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Get that person and then over there. Get them out of that line and here, give them a bat. Anybody. And even with Fraley's situation on Friday, you know, they get up three nothing, very winnable game against a crappy team. So. They gag that thing up and then lose, get swept in a weekend series. What do they now want? Lost six in a row. They've done that a couple of different times this season. Five in a row, at least a couple of different times this season. And with the way that they're built, that's exactly what you can expect. What have I said about the NL Central? It's going to be last team standing here. Last team standing. Right now, the Cubs got some offense. The Cubs got a little bit of pitching, which is more than you can say about what we've seen from both the Reds and the Brewers here recently. So last team standing, it's going to be. And this would sound like one of those seasons if the Cardinals had anything, and I mean anything whatsoever. You could count on it at the tail end, like now in August and into September. I mean, It is absolutely clear that they have nothing. Because normally, normally this this would be their sweet spot, and it isn't. So that's what you expect, and that's what we're getting. And I'm not, not disappointed. It's just a tough watch sometimes. It's a tough watch to watch these guys bat with runners in scoring position. If I have to see Lucas Sims, if I have to see you know those guys out of the bullpen, even Diaz, I mean, you could just kind of see it coming. Last team standing, and the, the Cubs also went out, and they got some work done, too, at the trade deadline. Well, Reds stayed the same. I don't blame them. They didn't want to part with anybody for a rental when more than likely it was still going to go down the drain as it has gone down the drain recently. Reds and Marlins start an early week set. I think a great American coming up later on tonight. Uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, more of Jay Query coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. And major movement this happened at the end of the show on Friday, our Backyard Bourbon broadcast with Oregon and Washington coming on board in the Big Ten. For all of us that would much rather side by, hey, it was much better when. I say that all the time, I know. It was much better when we didn't have social media. It was much better when, when you didn't have camera phones. It was much better when, when your social experience was going to the mall. Oh yeah, it was much better when it was the Big Ten and the Big Ten. So mind you, I know those of the older generation probably would side with that. But I will tell you this, for those that just kind of understand where we are and it's money and sports. Well, what about the academics? Yeah, okay. The academics. But it's money and sports right now. For those that truly understand that, at the least you should get some hellaciously awesome week to week to week matchups, right? The very least. What about all this travel? I don't care anything about travel anymore. None of that matters. Ding that cash register in terms of football especially. So Big Ten up to 18 right now. You got the Pac-4. Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal. Maybe to the Mountain West. I think they just should do a Pac-4. Let's do a (laughs) Pac-4. But you have to make sure. People ask all the time, so what about... Yeah, the Pac-12, how are they not prepared for it? Well, you don't get adequately prepared and then your teams jump to make sure they have a seat at somebody else's table. Um, And I know that we have seen the Big 12 basically rise from the dead here. At some point, teams are going to be bailing out of that. And I don't know if I'll still be alive. I don't know if we'll all still be together. But at some point, you're going to have Super Conference Big Ten, Super Conference SEC, and that's going to be that. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not in a week, maybe not before I'm gone and coming back and haunting each and every one of you that made fun of how I referenced a rack sandwich earlier today. And that's what's going to happen when I am gone. Anybody that sent me one of those tweets today, including Evan McDowell, I'm coming back and at least for an evening, I am going to haunt your ass. Seriously, I'm haunting you. I'm going to come right back. Just like Swayze and Ghost. Except we're not going to be making some clay pot. You're going to be tripping over stuff all around your house. <laughs> be moving the toilet, and you're going to end up going where you thought the toilet was. I'm coming back. But one of these days, that will happen. Two supers. We'll talk to Dan Wetzel about that of YahooSports.com. That's on the other side. Luke Bryan tickets. Luke Bryan tickets. Country music spectacular. Luke Bryan. We got that. We got Backyard Bourbon Broadcast, which was outstanding on Friday. We'll get back into that as well. And a lot more to get to on this show. I know the U.S. women's national team met with their demise early Sunday morning. I couldn't watch it right. Because, you know, the whole 59 next door thing. It is funny. I have I've kind of equated soccer at times around here with the Colts at times around here don't let me forget about telling you that story that's coming up in a bit too all right email address via 1075 thefancom inside the lounge via YouTube live we're waving at everybody right now HD radio the stream the app at 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
4: life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider Kesimta
1: The Ride with JMV.
8: Collect them, trade them, or just enjoy them.
1: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: All right, Thursday, state fair for me. I'm going to be at the free stage because I am incredibly free. I'm at the free stage on Thursday, and I am going to bring on stage, introduce one of the most fantastic hip-hop artists in history classic hip-hop i'm going to be hanging out with rob bass now we may do joy and pain maybe um it takes two maybe something like that but i get to bring on stage rob bass on thursday i'd love to see you out at the indiana state fair that's on thursday thursday in the free show with uh, me and rob bass coming up on thursday any more automotive group Potline, latest podcast I wanna say with Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports.com, is this the five hundredth episode podwise you put up there?
9: Five hundredth College Football Enquirer. How about oh, that? Oh my goodness. That's big it's time wild. right there. It's more outrageous every time in the college. <laughs> you don't even have to make it up anymore.
0: You know what? At one point in time, you maybe actually talked about football on the field. <laughs>
10: <That> was- <laughs> yeah, <was> one episode. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's about it now. Um, I, I know that, and I've just followed you on Twitter and I know that your your past five or so days have been incredibly hectic. When you double back and maybe reflect on it from where it was and where it is right now and then allow yourself to think about logically where this still may be going, how about some of these thoughts you can share with us that immediately come to your mind?
9: Well, I mean, one thing about this whole thing is just how quickly it accelerates and how utterly absurd of a way it is to run. Um, an industry you know not just a business so even if you are wherever you are far in the fall on the scale of like i wish the big 10 would kick penn state out go back to 10 or hey let's have a 24 team leave what it doesn't really matter the idea that in a matter of days and with like a roller coaster ride of we want somebody we don't we just random board of trustees and a couple handful of presidents just on the fly saying hey let's add two schools that a year ago we didn't want uh, television executives basically pushing everyone around. Um, leagues, 108 year old leagues blowing up, uh, backstabbing, all the different stuff. This is not how you do it. Like if the if the NFL wants to expand and go to like 34 teams, they'll spend five years looking at different markets, different potential owners, stadium. Fun- You know, college football just sits there and does it just like, okay, like they're ordering, you know, whether choosing chicken or pasta for dinner. So the whole thing is just crazy that it went down so quick. Last Tuesday reported the Big Ten is looking at, uh, because a bad Pac-12 TV deal came in, the Big Ten is looking at adding Washington, Oregon, and potentially Cal and Stanford even. And it was that quick by Friday the whole thing was done. They took two, not four. But it was literally 72 hours, and they just expanded, and now they've got two new teams. And, I mean, like, you have ADs going, you know, we, we were looking at the logistics. Oh, I didn't know Eugene's airport wasn't big. Like, nobody knew anything <laughs> about this. You know, we can't charter to Eugene. I'm like, I, I, I did not. But, you know, uh, you can't land a 737 there. I'm like, that might have been something you guys should have asked. Uh, or just said, why are we doing this? Why do we have to do this in one day? Uh, but here we are. It's sort of like when they added Rutgers and said that we're going to get good, and, uh, you know, what is it, like, 14 years later, they still stink. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, we didn't realize how bad it was. It's just so illogical of a way to run a business, even if they stumble into a good decision.
0: So does the Big Ten, when, when they put the pressure on here, you know, they go, all right, we have to have a decision like right now. So you better figure all this out and, and make this incredibly overwhelming decision in the next 35 seconds. They, they put t- that type of pressure on?
9: Kind of, and I don't know why, because it's, it's it's self-induced pressure i mean i i thought like last friday morning everybody the big 12 oregon washington Pac 12 everybody in college sports should have said hey look everyone take the weekend exhale do some studying let's all talk again on monday and instead it's yeah it's it's like a bidding war for uh, for a house on, in a hot housing market it's just like let's just do it and so um you know, at one point they weren't going to take them. And then, and, and, you know, a lot of it's like, well, the big tens, like, Hey, we can, you know, we're going to watch. They're only going to, they're only going to get a half share or a little more than a half share of the revenue for, for six years or seven years. So we got an asset at a discount. And I'm like, that's a great MBA, um, you know, like um, project to get your MBA. But like, is the big 10, like bargain shopping. Like, what are we doing here? Like, The Big Ten already was the richest league in college sports. Nobody needs more money in the Big Ten. They may spend more money when they get the money because the the inherent problem here is in college athletics, they have enough money to run all these sports, but the goal is to spend more money than someone else to run the sport, which is why you have like $50 million locker rooms and... And, and you revamp your, your weight room every three years, and you have waterfalls and, and mini golf courses in the football facility, and you just spend and spend and spend, and it's not logical. Like, I, you know, Indiana football and Purdue football probably have better facilities than the Colts, right? I know, like, Michigan State does. You know, like, the New England Patriots practice on one field, they have one locker room, they have a bubble, and that's it. At Gillette Stadium, and somehow they've managed to practice football well enough to win six Super Bowls. But if you tried that in, in big, the Big Ten, you'd be deemed you wouldn't be able to do that. You need a $200 million facility. Uh, so you know, Northwestern has a $200 million football facility. New England Patriots is probably worth about four hundred grand. <laughs> what are we doing? But they spend and spend and spend. And they go, well, we need more money, so let's just add two more teams. So, you know, I don't think in, in, inherently it's that big of a deal. It's just a really weird way to run a sport, a huge industry.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Dan Wetzel of yahoo sports.com, his. 500th episode of a podcast which has very little to do with actual football on the field but a lot of what's going on certainly off of it if you wouldn't mind just because obviously we do talk to a lot of folks that care deeply about both IU and Purdue and especially their football programs what does all this now at 18 mean for either does it mean something different do they stay the same what do you think now and into the future that means for both
9: so, you know, it's a it's a little different scheduling. I mean, obviously every once in a while you're going to play Oregon and you're going to play Washington, um, like you're going to play USC and UCLA that are coming in uh, in 2024, not this season, but the season after. So sometimes those schools will come visit you. Sometimes you go to L.A. or Portland or Washington. It's not too bad. What I don't understand really the appeal for the Indianas and the Purdue's is those are all programs that – At least three of them, I don't know about UCLA, but they could be, have better tradition and resources and recent history of success than you. So it's like you just added teams that are tough to beat. And in a pecking order of an already really difficult 14 team league where it's really hard for Indiana and Purdue to get to that top and you can fight past, you know, immovable objects of Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. You now added a whole bunch of programs that also are very difficult. They're just better resourced and better set up for success than you are. So you sort of go, why would we add those? Um, I don't know what that really helps. I don't know that anyone in Central Indiana is fired up because Oregon might visit. It's not that exciting. Yeah. Uh, it also means it's one less trip from Penn State or something. So it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit harder, uh, really, for those fleets. I I never understand why the schools in the middle or the bottom support expansion.
0: It's uh, Dan Wetzel of com with us. So they sit at 18 right now. How hard do you expect them to go at, to get at 20 here ultimately?
9: Yeah, it's a matter of like when that option is is available, that helps. Um, the ACC is, has the schools that they would probably want from here on out. Um, North Carolina, Virginia, maybe Clemson and Florida State, but certainly North Carolina and Virginia. And then, the one they really all want is Notre Dame. So, you know, you're sitting at 18, and you go, well, would the ACC ever break up? The ACC schools are under, it's an ironclad grant of rights contract through 2036. So, for the foreseeable future, and I say this understanding how absolutely naive this could sound, because if you told me two years ago the Big Ten would have a four-team West Coast flank, you would have hung up this interview. (laughs) 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 So, I understand nothing is predictable, because here we are, but those are the ones that if you're the Big Ten saying, okay, this adds some value to us, can we get those kind of those kind of big state schools, academically-minded, big brands, Virginia, North Carolina, obviously Notre Dame, and it may be Florida State or Clemson or whatever. Um, right now, too, the SEC is at 16 teams. Now, they're adding Oklahoma and Texas in 2024, and they're pretty happy with where they are. They're a little more into – regionality and commonality of the institutions, the Big Ten is just flat
0: all over the place. And no doubt about that. So now you get four remaining out west. The Pac Four. So what happens to Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal ultimately?
9: Yeah, that is Oregon State and Washington State are probably headed to the Mountain West. Some some merger to, you know, Boise State, Fresno State, playing those kind of schools. Uh, and I think they'll do they'll do fine there, but their their revenue drop is enormous. I mean, they're going to go from 20 or 30 million a year to like four. So they have you know you build up your facilities, your stadium, your debt, you have you know it's, it, loans, all that. It's going to be tough. Uh, Cal and Stanford, who knows? You know, there's talk of they could join the ACC. Um, imagine Clemson, uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: all- Clemson and Cal on a Thursday night little hoop
9: nothing nothing says Atlantic coast more than San Francisco <laughs> Yeah. um yeah I can you imagine the travel demands on your on your players not football is one thing they're gonna charter big plane you go in on a Friday you play on Saturday you come home right but you know softball <laughs> soccer <laughs> I mean, right. I don't I don't even know how you do it. Or they can try to find go independent. I don't know. It is there. Those four schools are left. It's a game of musical chairs. Those four right now got got the the chair pulled out from underneath them, and they're looking for for a future. So, um, you know, one the sport, all of college sports, but is football driving. I mean, some of the absurdities we have major college football in Starkville, Mississippi, Ames, Iowa. Uh, uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, and not San Francisco. Okay, sure. I guess <laughs> <laughs> the fifth biggest city in the country with tons of wealthy people and the tech and all the stuff. Th- no, we don't. We don't. We don't do you. We do little Town. So it's like revenge of the small town uh, that San that San Francisco is getting left behind.
0: Hey Dan, here in closing, is is there zero chance Cal and Stanford would ever be added to the Big Ten for nineteen and twenty? So
9: the presidents liked the idea. The, the subgroup of presidents that met last year, they were interested in it for the academics um, and also the connection to Silicon Valley and all the tech companies and so many moneyed alums that live out there. So you can imagine Indiana going to play Cal and the, the banquet you are going to have the night before and connecting with all that type of stuff or Purdue playing Stanford and, you know, same thing but TV does not like it because those those schools do not bring much to the market. They haven't been very good. But if I was Purdue in Indiana, I'd be more interested in something like that because those are teams you could beat. And maybe it opens up a recruiting area and things like that. But uh, I'm not a television executive, and believe me, the TV executives are running all of college sports. This is about TV. It's about getting as many big brands to play each other as often as possible in football and everything. Nothing else matters, tradition, um regionality uh how often you play each other competitiveness nothing else matters they just want as big a brands playing each other as possible because that's what gets five million eight million ten million people to watch a game
0: and the other aspect is we already pay i'm sure most of us out there pay at least some amount of money to get the programming sports wise that we watch and you know it's going to drastically change to keep that revenue flowing in you know every year every 5 years every 10 years I, mean, I you can see further down the road where it's going to be nothing but pay-per-view here i don't know how long it's going to be but i would assume at some point maybe i'll be dead and gone by then but that'd be happening that way
9: yeah streaming you know keeps keeps growing although it's limited. I will give the Big Ten credit for this. Their games are pr- not pr- predominantly going to be on Fox, NBC, and CBS, at least three games a week. Um, so, you know, know how often does that include Indiana? Yeah, I don't know, but those are their football games. So they they are trying to go linear because there's a lot of obviously value and people seeing your product. Um, but you know, the Big Ten Network was the was the canary in the coal mine of you're going to have to pay for this and. You see it in MLS. You want to watch Lionel Messi play soccer? You're going to pay for it. Yep. Uh, it's just not going to be on regular TV, even though it would it would garner huge ratings. They can figure out that they'll make more money getting enough people to pay 50 bucks to watch on Apple TV.
0: Next time you come on, we're going to talk about actual football in the field, college-wise. Okay. Okay, I hear the season's coming. (laughs) That's what they say. It is the 500th episode of the podcast. It's at Dan Wetzel if you want to go and check it out. He, uh, with Ross and Pat, uh, have a great conversation regarding this, too. And uh, we'll get to football uh, sometime down the road. Dan Wetzel of Yahoo via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I I appreciate you, my brother, hopping on here. We'll do it again soon. Anytime, man. Take care. It's uh, Dan Wetzel. Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Whack. That is, (laughs) yeah, It's funny. I was on with Tony Katz before I I started the show today, and I I said, you know, maybe you look at it this way. Maybe you just look at it in terms of there are going to be a lot of really good matchups. Is that enough? Does it matter to you the old way that it used to be? Do you like this one? Does it matter to you whatsoever? Because I guess I would have to ask that. Does it really matter to you that they're having these, once again, massive changes? And geography doesn't matter. Travel doesn't matter. A lot of things that don't matter. Does that matter to you? Quick break. We'll come back. Top of the hour, Jake Quarry. Joel Erickson talks Colts. No practice today. Back at it tomorrow up at Grand Park in Westfield. Joel joins us at 5. Luke Bryan tickets as well coming up. 93.5107 by the fan.
1: the ride with jmv this is your brain on drugs any questions 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
0: hey shout out to dan wetzel of yahoo sports for the conference movement knowledge today inside the lounge via youtube live hope you guys are lurking i'll be in there with you in just a minute i promise i just saw this from a good friend Corey. Okay, now I have to say it. Go, Cubs, go. What's not a tough watch? The Cubs taking two of three from the best team in baseball. Uh, let me tell you this. I'm going to – Cubs fans, you're really acting a lot like Cardinal fans. I'm going to celebrate when it's going to be your turn. I'm going to celebrate it. Now, I've been hesitant to celebrate it because of our good friend Tucker Barnhart, but you are putting me in a position to celebrate it. As Reds fans, we were just happy to be happy about something. I mean, I knew I knew there was going to be a time when it was no longer going to be great. But we're going to be tap dancing all over here pretty soon because again, it's going to be the last team standing. There'll be another rut, and I'll be there. Yeah, I know, Litzy. I saw Fairchild's back in the lineup tonight. Hey, quick shout-out to Indian Creek, too, Shane. I'll get to that coming up on the other side. Jake Query, Joel Erickson, Dan Wetzel, Podcast 107.5TheFan.com, Luke Bryan tickets, listen to win as well. You don't want to miss that. 935 thefan
4: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection, you can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
1: The ride with JMV. They call me Cuba i I'm the king of the rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick chicky boom, chick, chicky Ninety-three five and one oh seven five the fan.
0: Dan Wetzel, earlier podcast 107 thefancom conference realignment. Joel Erickson at the 5 o'clock hour via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pipeline right now for the morning show. Kevin and Quarry, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. They're going to be at camp again tomorrow in Westfield at Grand Park. And uh, Jake, who joins us now, is going to be at Wrigley Field on Wednesday to check out Bruce Springsteen. Is that the first time?
11: That is correct. Yeah. Um, I've never seen him. Uh, what's your let me ask you this john what is your level of bruce springsteen like fandom
0: um i'm all right with it like i i saw him one time at the yum center in louisville and i can understand why people would like him so much because the dude works his ass off on the stage i mean absolutely works it you would not believe will not believe it uh, and he has great songs, there's no doubt about it. It's just weird. I don't think I like the same ones that the hardcore fans of Springsteen like. like. I just came back with Tunnel of Love by Bruce Springsteen. I think 1988, somewhere in that neighborhood. And most people would not suggest that to be a great Springsteen album nor a great Springsteen song, if that makes sense.
11: Yeah, I think he's definitely one of those guys that – his diehards like take pride in knowing like the deep cuts right and not you know being like a poser oh dancing in the dark but I was never like a diehard fan I've always enjoyed his songs I've never sought them out per se but I've always heard that he's a great performer and entertainer so just knowing that obviously he's getting older I thought you know what I really want to see him once to say I've done it so Uh, My buddy, Michael Weir, and I, who's the lead singer of the elect, we're going up there. And then actually, um, Bob Kravitz is a huge fan, too. And when I had Kravitz on, I mentioned it to him. And Kravitz was like, oh, man, I'd love to go. So I said, well, hey, buy a ticket and let's go. So Kravitz is going with us.
0: So will Kravitz buy a ticket just randomly and sit somewhere away from you guys?
11: (laughs) That's that's weird. I I I said, look, man, Michael and I already bought two tickets. So... If you just want to buy a ticket that's like near us, so he just bought one in our section. I'm mean, sure we'll probably. Matter of fact, we are like in the upper deck, right? Because yeah. it's at Wrigley, and because tickets were not inexpensive, and I'm not like a diehard, right? But I think we may be in like a bleacher because it just say, it doesn't have a seat number; it just says row number like one. Okay. So, I, so my assumption is he'll end up. It's like kind of festival type thing. Hopefully, you know. So.
0: The days of festival seating. How about that? Remember that? They'd open up the doors, and everybody would be on an absolute dead sprint to get to the seats on the floor.
11: Well, I think that all ended after there was one tragic event, right? It did. You know, the thing about Springsteen, real quick, that I always appreciated, I think I told you this, but as the story goes, and this has probably been embellished, I don't know, but the story goes that when they recorded We Are the World, that you know, Quincy Jones and Lana Ritchie had like sent everybody their parts ahead of time to, to, to let them know what to, to sing or what to be prepared for, but they didn't have, no one had the song in totality. And they recorded that, I think it was either the night of the Grammys or the American Music Awards, like in 83 or 84, because everybody, you know, when they could get everybody together. So after the awards show, everybody shows up in a studio to record that, and... Then they, they let everybody see what the actual song in totality was, and people started complaining and arguing, and why does this person have this part, and I should be singing in front of them, and this and that. And supposedly Bruce Springsteen is the one that went and like grabbed the microphone and was like, what in the world is wrong with you people? Like, we're trying to do something to help other people that are less fortunate, and and you guys all act like you're bigger than the cause, and like just – like, ripped everybody a new one and, like, dropped the mic, and everybody was like, You're right. And boom, they got it and they recorded it and went on about their way. Um, Which I always thought was cool.
0: The only thing that would have made that better is had he uh, provided a little bit of evidence as to why John Oates should have a line in there. John Oates was just kind of standing around. Why did, o- about, why did Oates not have any lines? How
11: is Dan Aykroyd there? That's what I like, to know. <laughs> like Dan Aykroyd is in We Are the World. It's the weirdest thing ever, right?
0: Yeah, Elwood you know, Blues. Elwood Blues. He could have had a, a part there,
11: John. Who, who had a line in We Are? Like, if you had to redo it, oh who's the one man, the test of time. Where you're like, yeah, that that person probably didn't belong.
0: Yeah, you have to I think mean, about the moment, though. I mean, the test of time. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, I mean,
11: Kenny Loggins. Kenny
0: Loggins has lines, right? Yeah, he should. What? Well, yeah, Loggins definitely should have lines
11: there, right? I think he did. I he, think did. he did. Did. Yeah. Um, uh, what's? Is it? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna blank here. Jeffrey. Who was like the? There was like an R and B singer that was in there. Was
0: Jeffrey Osborne was in that. I can't remember. I think, is that who you're thinking about? I think Jeffrey
11: Osborne. Oh, was we in can't there. take and that I away mean, from
0: Jeffrey Osborne. That's way too soulful, right there. The 1980s. Yeah. I
11: think yeah. Jeffrey Osborne is a is a massive talent. I mean, there's no doubt, right? But like, but he's not one that's a household name 40 years after the fact. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, man, there's some there's some big time stars in there for sure.
0: See, I, I didn't know that story about Springsteen, though, about him telling everybody to be quiet. It's pretty cool, though.
11: It is. It is.
0: Yeah. I mean, it'd be tough to take a lot out of that, I would imagine. Would it not? Participant-wise?
11: Yeah, I mean, can you imagine, like, I mean, just the egos in general, like we mm. – we had, yeah, we I had mean, to film a video for our radio station, and there were like five of us, and it took three and a half weeks to get it done. You had
0: uh, you had Lionel Richie, Steve Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, Kenny Rogers, James Ingram, Tina Turner, Billy Joel, Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, Dionne Warwick, Willie Nelson, Al Jarreau, Springsteen, Logan, Steve Perry, Daryl Hall, Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper, Kim Carnes, Bob Dylan, and Ray Charles. Yeah, at that moment, you couldn't take anybody out of that. Yeah, I Seriously. know. Seriously.
11: Kim Cards maybe? Maybe, right?
0: Mm, it's it, that that rough gruff kind of female I mean, voice no. is such a good sound. They probably that's in, that was pretty good.
11: In, in that era she was massive, there's no doubt. I mean. Yeah. Pretty tough. Hey, pretty yesterday
0: tough. I enjoyed that race down in Nashville yesterday. I did What happened with uh, I never seen that happen to somebody like what happened to Malukas yesterday? What happened there?
11: Yeah, he was all of a sudden his his literally his rear wing. It was an attenuator failure. So some sort of an attenuator that attached the rear wing it it literally fell off. Now my first thought was because once he came to a stop, I saw basically flames, and I'm like, okay, did he have some sort of a brake fire that then heated up the attenuator and caused it to 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 fall off? And I don't think that was it. I think that what you saw from the brake fire was just the fact that he had just pitted so he had full, just the way that he stopped, the the heat was just getting into the engine, and that's what caused that, the way that he abruptly came to a stop. So I, I don't know what the, I, I haven't heard what the exact issue was, but I would agree with you. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden it's like, I think it was Michael Young's like, you know, come to Michael, come to Michael, and he's like, Malukas just <laughs> went into the runoff, and it's, and his wing <laughs> fell off. And I later saw the replay, and I'm like, wow. I mean, it literally just fell off. So, you know, that's not a part that obviously you're changing in the pits like you would have So, which they hadn't done. So it was some sort of an attenuator failure. But what caused it, I don't know, actually. But you're right, not something you see every day.
0: Um, Kyle Kirkwood won yesterday. That's his second win. Is Kyle Kirkwood been more successful for Andretti Racing than Marco?
11: Yeah, probably, uh, in all honesty. I mean, Marco Marco had what? He won at Iowa. He won at Laguna Seca. Or no, I'm sorry, uh, Sonoma. So there's two. He might have had three wins in his career. Um, You know, Marco, in terms of sponsorship, I mean, there are a lot of things away from statistically speaking where Marco was an asset, for sure. But in terms of overall production, I mean, you know, the, the one thing that Kirkwood, Kirkwood to me, if you ever watched the TV show The Wire, which is the greatest TV show ever made, one of the things I loved about The Wire is at the end of it, I think we've discussed this before, but each character that is older, you are introduced to a younger character that clearly kind of accepts that role, like is the next version of it. And in terms of IndyCar, when we're about to see a change here with some of the older guard either retiring or moving on, you know, the younger guys that are filling that role, to me Kyle Kirkwood is like another Ryan hunter Ray. Um, Just a really good driver, tactical driver, but kind of understated in terms of personality, you know, kind of a quiet guy to himself. Nice guy, but there's nothing about him that, that pops off the chart is like superstar, excitable, pot of award level personality. So I think that that's why you haven't heard as much about him, but he was dominant. He won every level that you could win in, you know, the ladder series to get to this point. And then he drove last year for A.J. Foyt and kind of at a borrowed deal, everybody knew that he was eventually going to end up in Andretti. And I think he learned a lot from running with that team, just a team that didn't have as much speed and had yeah. to work, you know, he didn't have results. So I think people kind of wrote him off, but he's pretty darn good. And you're starting to see it now.
0: Ramirez and Anderson, the fight that broke out on Saturday night. In Cleveland, between the White Sox and the Guardians, is that the greatest base brawl of all time right there, or is it the greatest because one guy completely knocked the other
11: guy out? I've never seen a guy get knocked out, literally knocked out. All this key I, like I that, think if you I go, go
0: back, by, there right? may have been a time, Jake, and this goes way, way back. If you remember, then Yankee center fielder Mickey Rivers and Bill Spaceman Lee, I think that they got into something
11: that was pretty major. I uh, back, major but yeah, that's how far back you got to go. Yeah. So I mean, there have been some brawls that were pretty unbelievable, but in terms of one guy, I mean, landing one like that, man, that was as solid as it gets for sure. Uh, you know, Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura come to yeah. mind. I mean, that was that was pretty solid, right? When afterwards, when Nolan Ryan's like, "I, I steer cattle for a living," and this guy thinks he's going to come approach me and intimidate me, um, <laughs> but it was you know, speaking of the White Sox, by the way, not that anybody cares but me, but um, I'm going to Wrigley Wednesday for that game, and then. Two weeks after that, on the 23rd, I'm going up to see the White Sox and the Mariners. Um, I have no idea how it came to be, but a couple of years ago, Shannon and I were sitting there, and I was like, you know what, we should just go to a major league game sometime. Let's go to a White Sox game. It's close enough. And we had a great time, so that's become our a summer tradition. For one day, we, I take off, and we go up we go to a White Sox game. And I'm not even really a White Sox fan, but she bought a White Sox hat, so we go every year now.
0: Have uh, Cubs fans always been this insufferable?
11: I remember, John, when when the Cubs were on the cusp of winning it in 16, I remember saying, listen, be careful what you wish for here, because if the Cubs win the World, World Series, then it completely changes and shifts your fan base, and you go from being, a, you just become another fan base. And they were like, no way. And I'm like, yeah. Because the, when the Cubs in 2016 were about to win the World Series, there was no one on planet Earth that had seen it. No one. I mean, there was probably like a guy in France who was 111 or something, but no one had ever seen him win a World Series. So now that they've won it, and that mantra of like the lovable losers was gone, then there's just another fan base. And I had n- – my mom is the biggest Cubs fan alive. She had a license plate on her car from my entire childhood. It said Cubs 85, Cubs – you know, the whole deal. And yet, I don't ever remember hearing "Fly the W" until like eight years ago. Am I, am I wrong, John? Do you remember that when we were when we were younger? Do you remember the rally? Cry uh, no, not at w? all.
0: Not at all. I, I go back to when they had that that first level of success that I can remember at '84, and the Padres knocked him out in the the NLCS. Leandro, I, I don't remember it there. I remember uh, Jody Jody Davis. Your home runs go so far. I remember that song. Do you? Oh yeah, which is Jody, nice. Well,
11: I remember Harry Carey, Jody, Jody Davis, catcher without a beer, yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, that 84 team, I mean, Keith Moreland, that 84 team for the Cubs had, well, what a lot of teams, John, if you look at a lot of teams that, that make a run, you know, Ryan Sandberg was a great player. Rick Sutcliffe was a very good pitcher. But typically, when teams like that have a run, it's because you have a couple of utility-type guys that all have career years simultaneously. And that year, Bobby Dernier, Keith Moreland, Jody Davis, for that matter, you know, they all had career years. I mean, every one of them had as good a year as they were going to have in their career. So then you throw in Gary Matthews and, and, you know, Leon Durham hit 20 home runs. Was was Manny Trio on that
0: team, too? Was Manny Trio a part of that?
11: I don't think he was. He would have been gone the year before, right? Might have been right. It might be right. Yeah, I think. I mean, Richie Habner was like their utility mm. batter. Um, Sean Dunstan and Larry Boa kind of platooned back and forth at shortstop because Dunstan was a rookie. Um, Sean Dunstan, by the way, at the end of his career, was with the Cardinals in 2000. And when the Cardinals won the, uh, the Central in 2000, I'll never forget Sean Dunstan at the clubhouse, and I'm interviewing him. And as I'm interviewing him, I'm like, uh, hey, man, and he had like his five-year-old son on his shoulders and his kid swigged about half a bottle of champagne. And I thought, yeah, this, this isn't good. <laughs>
0: yeah. it's not good. It's, yeah, it just seems yeah. like they're, I mean, I mean, very insufferable right now. So it's just, I guess the way they, I didn't really notice it until, I, like I've tried to hang with them a little bit because of, of Tucker and Tucker Barnhart, but man, especially in the past week or so, it just uh, you know, it, it was a pain yeah, in my ass. Saying, so
11: i totally agree i mean I, for those that don't know i like you grew up a reds fan and my like i said my parents are huge cubs fans the, the one thing i will say in defense of cubs fans the one thing i'll say there is no doubt that going up in the middle of the day the wrigley field in the neighborhood and walking the neighborhood and going and going into that stadium you know, Fenway's the same way. I mean, there are certain places where, you know, Lambo's like this. There are certain places where even if you're not a fan, you go in and you go, yeah, I kind of get it. I-, I get it. It's different. It is.
0: It's a Jay Query morning show. He and Kevin, 7 until 10 a.m. tomorrow morning up at Colts Camp at Grand Park in Westfield. I mentioned this. Bob Lovell came on. He's starting year number 30 now of Indiana Sports Talk, and I had mentioned uh, those. That's rarefied air around here, uh, is certainly right now. Kevin Gregory is going into year. He's had 34 years at RTV6 as the weather guy. Is that true?
11: That sounds right, because he would have started there. I remember when I worked at 6, and Kevin knows this, Ed Sorensen was convinced that Kevin Gregory was like the teacher's pet chosen one, and it drove Ed crazy. And (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one night they had they had you know pictures on the wall inside channel 6 of the the anchor lineup and kevin kevin walked in one night and rounded the hallway and caught ed and ed had a sharpie and ed was drawing a halo on all of the pictures of kevin lee and little devil horns on himself He's like, I'm telling you, buddy. That's what management thinks. This guy is the golden child. Kevin Gregor, Who's like the nicest dude on the planet. And, like, he thought it was hilarious. But, um, man, that's got to be – I mean, if you're talking about people locally, John. Yeah.
0: I was thinking of he and Chuck Lofton off the top of my head.
11: I mean, obviously Debbie Knox, but she hasn't yeah. been in one place, right? Right. Um, Chris Wright's been here. Uh, you know, Chris Wright entered the market around the same time. But in terms of one position and one place – That's what I've always said about, you know, those that have retired in this market and done so, I mean, Calabro's been at, I mean, he's got to be close to 30 at 13, right? But people who have have worked at one place and been able to retire in radio and television on their terms, that is such a testament to their, to not only their ability, but also just their, just what they're like as people because th- those, I mean, we all are so expendable.
0: Tim Anderson, by the way, we talked about that earlier, suspended six games. Jose Ramirez, three. If you're Tim Anderson, do you question your decision-making after all this?
11: <laughs> Not in the moment, man. You're fiery competitor. I, I mean, he,
0: he he's the one that threw the glove and was ready to go. He got knocked out and suspended six games, three more than the guy that knocked him out.
11: Yeah, that's that's brutal right there, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, in a, in a world that, you know, rarely...
11: He started it, but <laughs> did not finish it.
0: <laughs> that is
11: that is pretty
0: brutal, right? That's something that is never, ever going to go away.
11: Yeah, ever. He, that, that is correct. I, that, there are few things that he can do in his career that is going to... Few things that he's going to do in his career that are going to have the ability to upstage that moment in his career.
0: Jake, I know you're uh, pretty often on X here, or what used to be Twitter. Has um, the -the over-the-top advertising from Cheats Marin and Tommy Chong, does that uh, interest you And any of their gummies?
11: Um, You know, between that and then there's the other one now that's like every third tweet of one of these companies that, like, it's like, oh, man, check it out. They gave their friend gummies and didn't tell them what it was. And it's, like, hidden cameras of these people being punked by, like – and I'm like, I think that's illegal. But yeah. um, no, I, I blocked all of them, actually. If oh, you,
0: oh, you blocked them, did you?
11: Yeah. Okay. If I see something on there that, that, like, at the bottom it says sponsored or it's I see it more than, like, three times in a day, I just eventually I wonder them. how much
0: Cheech and Chong and their gummies had to pay – To get that frequency like
11: they are. I think there are people, you know, the other thing you could do is if you don't want to pay, what you could do is you could just incessantly retweet yourself like 48 times in one day despite nobody (laughs) reacting, responding to your tweets. And I mean, you would have to be so delusionally narcissistic <laughs> to take on that approach and not realize that no one cares. But I don't know anybody that 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 falls into that category. Uh, so maybe they just. I got
0: my I got my uh, hands on my chin right now in wonderment, as you can watch via YouTube Live right now. As <laughs> to what you possibly could be referencing here, uh, you guys got Juju Brintz coming up tomorrow morning. I see, huh?
11: Yeah, we're going to be out there tomorrow. Um, I might have to stop actually. On the way up uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, if folks are coming up, we're going to start giving out some some codes for you that you can use to get some uh, discounts on a dozen donuts from Quack Daddy Donuts on your way up if you're going up to Colts Camp, which is right there in West in Westfield. So that's cool. So we might have to have a couple donuts tomorrow, and then I'm interested to talk to Gigi Brents because he's got a great opportunity before him, but at the same time, you know, he's obviously it took him a while to get on the field, which I understand because you want to be healthy, but. Um, that's got to be just kind of a dichotomy of emotions. I mean, the the desire to get out there, but also wanting to to make sure you're healthy for when you can. So curious to see now that he's on the field, um, you know, what he plans to do to take advantage of this opportunity because it's a big one for him. It's a local kid, so that's cool too.
0: Have you noticed the the walk of Jonathan Taylor out there? Does he look like he's injured as much as people want to
11: portray him to be? So, John, it's so fascinating you mentioned that. I have noticed, but here's the thing: I never paid attention to what his walk looked like ahead of time, so I don't know. I mean, it looks—is it power of suggestion or is he really hurt? I don't know the answer to that. He definitely walks kind of upright and slow, but I have no idea. It's possible he's always been that way, and I don't know the difference because I didn't—I did, I had no reason to pay attention before. Um, but my understanding is, and I don't pretend to know anything you you have not heard, but just in talking to people, I mean, I, look, I, I think this is beyond just a, hey, listen, guys, I'm not real pleased about way some things. I'm like, my understanding is he's still, he's dug his heels in. Yeah. He doesn't Yeah, does be here. He's out on the field. I'll give him that. He's He's walking around. You know, it was very interesting the other day when we were watching, and I was watching Jonathan Taylor standing there. And Chris Ballard walked over and stood next to him, and they were chatting. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what Chris Ballard's thinking. Because, you know, Taylor Ursa can say all he wants that they're never going to trade Taylor, but Chris Ballard's probably thinking to himself, like, hey, if I have to, I have to, and I can probably get something. You think you,
0: you think you said, you know what, you really do deep down deserve this money. I mean, More that, money. You, you, know, think you said that? Deep down inside, it's, it's, I mean, I know this to be true. You really deserve it. You know, but, I mean, the, the big guy says no.
11: That's, I mean. So
0: I'm just making this up. I'm not not doubt
11: No, I, I, I get it. I mean, I, you, I think, I will say this. I think that if you really, if you really put truth serum in everybody, Chris Ballard will be the one that probably is the most diplomatic in the situation. But it's kind of beyond his control. Like, he. If I'm Chris Ballard, if I'm Chris Ballard, like I'm tiring of being put in situations or being or having situations around me that seem to usurp my power. Frankly. But yeah, if I'm Chris
0: uh, Ballard, I go, "Wow, I'm still here." That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Wait a minute. What? That So, we've we've done this and I'm, "Whoa, okay." Do whatever you want to do. Like
11: four more years now, right? Because mm. I have a—he's—he's going to get at least three. Hey,
0: by the way, this is this is what I was talking about. And at no point in time, I, I have celebrated the Reds because I've been excited about them. But I, I know exactly what I felt they really are. I get this from Michael, butthurt crying about the Reds coming back to earth and the Cubs literally getting seven games in the standings in a month. Not selling and fans being stoked about it. I don't know what the end of that means, but that's the the type of jackassery that I'm talking about right here. I mean, I don't, I don't know where this comes from, and I've told everybody now, I mean, you better hope this team is for real, because I understood mine wasn't. You better hope yours is, because I'm going to be tap dancing all over everybody's ass on this. I mean, everybody. Even end, if Tucker God, Barnhart plays for them. I'm going to be tap dancing on everybody.
11: In the end. you know, You know when you go to a game, and they do that thing on the Jumbotron where they're like, okay, it's time for the... You know, it's like the one, two, and three race, and the crowd has to cheer. And it's like, number two's ahead, and here comes number one. Oh, number three at the wire! You know, that kind of thing. Uh, In the end, because you always have two of those numbers that are way up and way down, way up and way down. In the end, that's the Reds and Cubs, and Milwaukee probably wins the division because they've been consistently the better team of the three. They've been consistently all year long right there, whereas the Reds and Cubs have both been streaky in the cubs case the streak is now do they maintain it i mean i guess that remains to be seen but if i was a wagering individual i would put it on milwaukee
0: i'm gonna be, I'm gonna be dancing because it's it's a matter of time before it happens so a matter of time hey by the way too, uh jim Romanek, Romy and sarah came back from west virginia and brought me a bag full of racks roast beef how about that
11: and it's believe- awesome we had a meeting this morning, and I walked into it, and you were sitting there with a, a Rax bag. Awesome. And my first thought was, I wouldn't throw the bag away.
0: No, seriously. no. Took the bag. Yeah. It is. I mean, it, it, was, it was good. I, I, didn't, alone, I, mean, I put horseradish on it. That was a mistake. I've got indigestion like crazy now. But it was still awesome.
3: <laughs>
11: I mean, I... For some reason and I know I mean, listen, I know it was Rack's roast beef. I mean the one at seventy first in Benford I went to ten thousand times. Right. I met Brian Hammonds there for the first time when I was like in seventh grade. Thought that was the coolest thing ever and he's a super nice dude. But I always didn't did they have ham sandwiches also, hot ham and swiss, or was it just roast beef?
0: Um, no, it was roast beef. The The big one was called, and I've, I've called it uh, BBC, which it is, and then obviously some of these nerds in social media have, have taken this different ways because they are nerds and dorks, but it is the uh, uh, beef and cheddar. Big beef and cheddar is what it's called. Yeah, that was I mean, the big deal
11: back then. So who, who, who came out with the beef and cheddar first, Arby's or Racks?
0: I would say Arby's. Okay. I would say Arby's. Right. Arby's first.
11: I was, a, I was a fan of Racks. For some reason, when I think of Racks, I think that I need to wash it down with a like cola. So, yeah. I mean, it shows you what time period Get a little like.
0: salad bar and hit, sit in that greenhouse area that they were, <laughs> I think. At least one of, one of the first ones of the whole greenhouse. That's
11: exactly right. Area, so. It's almost like the Racks roast beefs all just moved into old Wendy's and kept the same <laughs> setup, right?
0: Hey, to put a bow on this, my friend Greg said, Ackroyd and we are the world. He was just kind of looking for somebody's office and wandered onto the production set, so they put him in the video.
11: I did not know that. That sounds that sounds entirely plausible because that's kind of what he looks like in the video. He's that's like, that's kind of that, that also describes
0: like a, Dan Aykroyd of the
11: 1990s, right there. Just, eh? I think he has like he has like Sony Walkman headphones on, just like walking around in the background. Yes, that
0: was perfect. <laughs> uh, Mark Jackson has been offered one million dollars by an adult site to provide play-by-play analysis. Is that true?
11: I don't know, but he probably be just about as good as that as he was on television. I was never a huge fan. Oh, really? You? I sound like Mark Jackson.
0: I, I love Mark Jackson and Van Gundy together.
11: I did. Yeah, I just I, – I think – I kind of tired of Mark Jackson when he was a player. I just, like – I always thought he was a lot more talk than – I mean, he was a good player for the Pacers for sure. I think he gives himself way too much credit on, like, his ability to, like, be in Reggie's ear, you know, that kind of thing. Kind of wears me out.
0: All right, tomorrow morning, you and Kev begin at seven at Grand Park in Westfield.
11: That's right. Eight o'clock tonight. Beyond the Bricks of Mike Thompson. Oh, all week the Brickyard.
0: Oh, you know, I didn't bring that up too. You know, I should have because I I wanted to talk a little bit about you know the the greatest drivers of all time that we have now forgotten. But we'll save that for another day, maybe next Monday too. Afterwards, Jake. I appreciate you. All
11: right, that works.
0: Uh, Jake query right there on the. Andy Moore of Group Pilar. I'm serious, Cubs fans. I am not. I don't normally do this either, but I don't get it. I do not get it. It was excitement. I didn't make fun of anybody else. Well, the Cardinals, I do. <laughs> but we should unite and rejoice in that. This other stuff's getting out of hand. You guys are going to have to eat a big one here pretty soon, and I'm going to deliver it. Be ready. Corey Kinney would be out there crying and have to move back to Ann Arbor. Quick break. We're back with you next.
4: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kisimta Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta and check out the details at kisimta.com Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
1: The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: Dan Wetzel, JQuery, podcast 107.5, thefan.com. Uh, from Shane, I have a senior football player at the IC. Indian Creek, they're trying to raise money for new and safer football equipment and uniforms. I was hoping you could share this and maybe give a mention on the air. If not, no worries. Thank you. That's Shane right there. I love the IC. Shout out to Trafalgar and Indian Creek. I think I retweeted that already, but I'll do it again just in case I did not. That is a worthy cause right there. And a shout out to Indian Creek JMV. Why is Fairchild in the lineup again? I have no idea. None of other body. I mean anybody. Other bodies. Chad writes this. Am I going to be able to watch the Colts on Direct TV this weekend, or do I need to go in tennis shopping? I would imagine you're going to need to go in tennis shopping. It's on 59, right? and NextStar still having that bout that back and forth if there is a back and forth between itself and direct tv so i'm assuming you're going to have to go out and find yourself an antenna to watch i don't know if this thing is going to end anytime soon and again this is just from what i know those of us that have direct tv or whatever it's called now i guess it's still direct tv But if you have that. Then you don't have the CBS nor the Fox affiliation in this market right now. That's problematic. Absolutely problematic for now. Start of the season. Uh, Just a thought. Yeah. Go out, I guess, and get an antenna. I'm not going to do that. I'll just go someplace else and watch it. But. In fact, I got to do the pregame show here anyway, so I'll just watch it from here. But that is going to be an issue for you, Chad, no doubt. Rick at 239-1070 is on the show. Hello, Rick.
12: Hi, John. How are you? Rick, I'm great. Denise and I just got back from uh, Montana, and we streamed you most of the time out there. I was really surprised even in the remote areas we were able to uh, get
0: you. Where were you in Montana?
12: All over the state, we spent seventeen days there. Wow, I've
0: we never. Were- I, you know what? I take that back. I've been in the southeastern corner of Once Upon a Time driving through. That's my extent in Montana.
12: Was that Yellowstone?
0: No, nah, I was. I was coming up uh, from Wyoming. We were coming up from Colorado, and then going. We were going to Deadwood, South Dakota, okay. and, and the Black yeah. Hills right there. That's where we we're going. I hit the cool. I hit the edge of it, yeah.
12: Nice. Uh, this uh, expansion of the Big Ten is just—I guess I'm old school. It's just not Big Ten-ish. Yeah. Um, you know, I just logistically, I just wonder about playing out on the West Coast and then coming to the Midwest and. It, it's just completely different than when it was uh, midwestern regional setup, which um, I think a lot of people enjoy that. And I think there was some discussion earlier how this could uh, hurt uh, IU and Purdue uh, as far as uh, wins and losses are concerned.
0: I mean, honestly, it just puts put you further back in in terms of teams football wise that are better than you. I mean, yeah. Just put it the way that it is right now. I mean, historically, consistently better than you. Uh, you you add a couple of more teams, you'll get used to the whole viewing situation. I think just like we've gotten used to a lot of things, and and frankly, you know, I feel kind of the same way about that as you do. But I I've been you know kind of forced and at least forcing myself to kind of move forward on it and recognizing that. You know, it's it's going to even get worse, I'd imagine, if it can get worse than this right now. So um, you just got to watch it for for the competition and know that you're going to have to change your late-night viewership habits uh, a couple of times every year, and then you'll get used yeah. to it.
12: Yeah, that's for sure. I wonder with the uh – all the revenue for the uh, TV deals that the SEC and the Big Ten are getting, how much of that trickles down to the universities. And then I wonder if the universities like Indiana could use that for NIL money. I,
0: I don't know. I, I don't know how that works. I don't know for NIL money, but I don't know that it does it. I don't know how ultimately. I know that they have a department now. And, and Rick, thank you for listening in Montana, as always, too appreciate oh, that. Bet. Thank you, Rick. Uh they have their own NIL department. I actually have a couple of friends that are a, are part of that down there too and um it it uh, it's it's interesting the way that works, but it's definitely a lot of money involved. That's why you see such drastic changes now. And as I mentioned to you, Rick, you might as well get used to it. Might as well get used to it. Your viewership habits on certain nights You know, when your favorite team, let's just say, for example, it's IU, if they're playing in in Eugene or playing in Seattle or in L.A. or whatever, that'll change. But honestly, what is Nebraska? Was it mountain time or central time in in Lincoln? Uh, It'll be later. But you will adjust to it just like everybody else will. Hey, JMV, correct me if I'm wrong here, but is Matt Ryan not getting paid this year? Go ahead.
3: Uh, Lincoln, Nebraska is in Central Daylight
0: Time. Central Daylight Time. So we skip Mountain Time and go directly to West Coast Time right there. Yeah, yeah, paid. Exactly. Scott, Uh, you're getting into Matt Ryan and his... Okay. I was looking this up. I thought Matt Ryan made some comments a little bit earlier, and I alluded to that. I'll tell you what I'll do. i got to hit a break. I'll come back with your calls. And Scott's question regarding Matt Ryan coming up on the other side, too. Not so much what he had to say about last year here, but how financially there is an effect. And I will tell you this, even before we hit a break, that there's no effect going on here with Ryan getting paid or any of that. This has everything to do with the Colts not wanting to pay or give Jonathan Taylor anything new. They want him to play out the final year of his contract. And we think Jonathan Taylor's not budging. The Colts are the ones that won't be budging. Now, that story and what Matt Ryan had to say about last year coming up next.
4: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Key Simpta
1: The Ride with JMV. My vision is to take this team as the first franchise to the Saturn Football League and play against eight-foot gargoyles that run 3-8 speed. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: So, Matt Ryan's, what, 18 million or so this year? And the question was asked, why they're doing that, why can't they? Just go ahead and give a little bit of what they have under the cap right now, and give that to Jonathan Taylor and making him happy in the moment. And the whole Matt Ryan thing has nothing to do with this, nor does the cap room. This is a decision, a fundamental decision made by the Colts where they're not going to pay him anything more than what is in the final year of his contract. And this dance has been, all right, we'll we'll get to your new contract when the season is over. They are firm on that. We just sit here and wonder, ultimately, Jonathan Taylor to get paid is going to have to get out there and play. But the uh, Colts are not backing down on that. We had a great time. Backyard Burpin broadcast on Friday at our friend Jeff Lawrence's house, uh, also known as J-Law. He joins us now, man. Thanks for the hospitality. That was great. Oh, thanks for
10: coming up. I just wanted to say thanks a ton to New Bells, uh, New Belgium Bells, and Ford's Garage, and Heaven Hill's Brent, and you guys. It was an absolute
0: blast. It was, and it was a little hot on a Friday afternoon there, too. Just a little bit.
10: Let me tell you. My friends drank a lot and I'm getting ready to go get some more pool chemicals cuz I thought there was, was like a swim up bar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, was it really. Oh <laughs> my chlorine is gone. Can you um can you tell if for example your your friends at your own pool don't actually get out to use the restroom? Can you tell? Would you test Even, the water?
10: Uh not really. I mean Okay. It, if they're, if, you, if you got a lot of people in there and uh stuff in the heat it'll eat up the chlorine no matter what so uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know it happens so it's it's an it's an urban legend about the the blue that uh, the water turns blue around you if you don't get out of your bathroom, correct? I
10: have not found that chemical to
0: add. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of people in there, and it looked like nobody was getting out, and there was a great deal of consumption going on, so that would make sense.
10: But I'm telling you, it was an... At my, all my friends uh, told me that uh, friends and family and strangers that showed up uh, had an absolute blast. I mean everybody I mean we were exhausted the next day. My two dogs slept all day the next day. He
0: well, hey, yeah. we had a great time and thank you and Susie again for being incredible hosts and all of your friends and that of the food bar lounge. But that's how we do it right there. That was fantastic. Yep.
10: Yeah. Anytime, my friend, we thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, Jay Law, I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Take we care. We have
0: another Backyard Bourbon broadcast and I'll tell you about this in the five o'clock hour. We have Luke Bryan tickets too. But we have one where we're going to do something for the first time ever. First time ever. And this is going to be a Backyard Bourbon broadcast where everybody is invited. That info coming in the 5 o'clock hour. Daryl coming in the 5 o'clock hour. Luke Bryan tickets as well. And Joel Erickson of the Star on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
4: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Keytruda, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Keytruda, and check out the details at keytruda.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
1: The Ride with JMV.
8: Collect them, trade them, or just
1: enjoy them. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: Shout out to Ryan and Justin. New Belgian Brewing and Bells for the Backyard Bourbon Broadcast. On the road on Labor Day weekend. And for the first time ever, the JMV Takeover is going to be live on location. I've yet to figure out how exactly we're going to do it, but it's going to happen. So cannot wait for that. Give you more details on it. Luke Bryan tickets coming up to Back to Your Calls, but right now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. From the Indianapolis Star, he covers the Colts. Joel Erickson is with us. I mentioned uh, also playing the Tom T. Hall song I Like Beer In because evidently Joel is a Brewers fan from what I hear. Is that true, Joel? Brewers fan?
3: Yes. Yes, that's true. uh, And and a a diehard – watches like 100 games a year Brewers fan. Like ah. I really got it bad. Okay.
0: Now, how yeah. far do you go back with this?
3: Uh, well, the first games I went to when I was a kid was uh, the part of Wisconsin I'm from is actually closer to Minneapolis. So, it was like the Kirby Puckett Twins and Yount on – and Robin Yount Brewers, but Yount was on the very tail end. That was when the Twins were really good. Um, But, but those, those state lines are strong. So, even though I was closer to the Twins, I was a Brewers guy from – from way back they were just they were just really bad for a a really long time in my childhood well you um
0: well obviously i've had rob deer on this show before he's one of my all-time early brewers favorites because he was he was the classic boomer bust in 87 i mean he was a lot of striking out and a lot of home run hitting i always loved that and uh, i'm assuming paul molitor was paul molitor still on the brewers or was he already with the Blue Jays by the time
3: he was he was uh I think he I, I first remembered him as a Blue Jay and then later on learned about him being a bird De- deer is great whenever uh they get him in uh, Milwaukee for like a you know come back for a game because Euchre always just puts him on blast for being one of the better partiers in the league <laughs> on the radio broadcast so <laughs> he'll, he'll get on there and he'll say you know Rob you were pretty good on the field but you were all world you know after the game and <laughs> And Deer always tries to get out of it and Euchre's like, No, I remember.
0: Well, one of the um one of the references that would be famous in baseball by Chris Berman was Rob Bombadier. That was one of the better ones Chris Berman ever did.
3: <laughs> yeah, Deer Deer obviously has uh has a place in, in Brewer's Brewer's hearts. He had the big he was part of that big team streak in eighty seven. Yeah. Um, what, they won their yeah, first 11? A little bit before me.
0: They, I think they won their first 11 in 1987, didn't they?
3: 13. They won 13. their first 13. Gotcha. But they also lost like 13 later in the season. <laughs> so it'd be exactly
0: like the Reds right now. So kind of like kinda like that. Uh, you know, it's funny. 1982, I hate the Cardinals. I hated the Cardinals back then. I hate them right now. And I was uh, going for the Brewers out of the AL in 82. They ultimately lost to the Cardinals in the World Series. But it went it – it went Cecil Cooper, Jim Gantner. I think uh, was Robin Yount playing short then? Maybe yep. Molitor at third. Ted Simmons was the catcher. Ben Ogilvy in left. Um, uh, Gorman Thomas was in right, I think, then, too. Who was playing center? Who am I forgetting here?
3: Well, I'm... So, it was Thomas in center. Thomas in center, okay. Uh, Thomas was in center. I'm actually reading... Uh, the book Nine Innings, about uh, about a game between the Brewers and the Orioles in that year. So it's, it's fresh in my mind. So Thomas was in center.
0: Okay. Who was in right? Who am I forgetting? That might be the worst sound of all time right there, Joel. Did you just flush the toilet?
3: Sorry, my uh, my phone decided to switch onto my car's Bluetooth.
0: Ah, I thought you flushed a toilet. That was a really awkward <laughs> sound right there. So who was the, who was in right field?
3: Uh, Thomas was in center, and then uh, right field was kind of a mishmash depending on who they wanted to play. Like okay. they Don Money was out there sometimes. They'd use Charlie Moore out there.
0: Yes, yes. Thank Marshall,
3: you, Marshall Edwards.
0: Don Money and the great Moose Haas would have been on the hill often. So
3: yeah, Moose Haas, Mike Caldwell, yep, Pete Vukovich, um, yep, yeah, Vukovich. Uh, they got Don Sutton late that year. Yeah, in an effort to get there. So yeah, no, it, that's uh, that that team is uh, is revered, and I, I obviously I wasn't I wasn't around at that time, but well, um, I did I did I, like. I just-
0: I did like the Brewers then, and I wanted them to beat the Cardinals, but that's been long ago.
3: <laughs> I, that, that book is a good read if anyone wants to pick it up. Nine, nine Innings is a it's a neat way to tell a baseball story.
0: Yeah, I was trying to think. They Yeah, their stadium back then, I mean, obviously they play in, what is it, Farmers Insurance Stadium now, but uh, man, the, the stadium they had prior to that wasn't much to write home about, was it?
3: county uh, i don't I, I sort of remember county we went well, to a couple of games in milwaukee but I'm, i mostly spent games growing up going to the metrodome because the metrodome was like two hours Yeah. and milwaukee at the time was like four four and a half from where i was they hadn't done some of the uh they hadn't done some of the uh the interchanges and stuff that make it it's about a three and a half hour trip now
0: great reference by the way bringing up don money That is a fantastic Topps baseball card back in the early 80s. That's well done out of you. Really well done. (laughs) Um, I was talking about this. Somebody had asked me regarding... Uh, the money and why couldn't the Colts give Jonathan Taylor some right now and make him happy, at least make him happy enough to want to drop, you know, the antics right now and come back and start practicing. Because at some point here, you're going to start missing time and you wonder how long, if he does come back, it's going to take for him to get back those wheels proverbially in motion here. And, and I reminded folks out there that there is no money. I mean, the Colts just expect him to come back and play with what he signed for in that final year of his contract. For me, the Colts have no wiggle room in this and are not going to bend on this. Would you agree?
3: It doesn't – I mean, it sure doesn't seem like it from what they've said publicly. If they wanted to, it's well within the rules. and they've got enough cap space, they could give it more money if they wanted to. But everything we've heard from them is we're going to wait until – we're not going to extend him until after this season. We want to see what we have with this coaching staff um, before, we, before we make any decisions. Which, uh, to be honest, I mean, the coaching staff should kind of know – I mean, I think you can turn the tape on and, and know what Jonathan Taylor is. So I wonder if part of that is just saying we're not going to pay him until after we've seen him back, and they're trying to say it in a nice way. But I, they haven't really left themselves any wiggle room for it. Now, if they want him on the field – Maybe that comes to a head at some point, but without without having Taylor speak or anything, or know exactly what's going on, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't know that we're going to see that. Uh,
0: how much of a point does he ultimately have? It's just that he has zero leverage to do anything about it.
3: Well, I he he has a point. I mean, every other drafted star that they've had come up to this point in their contract, where they're going into the year before. Uh, their, the end of their rookie deal, like, that's when they've gotten signed. Quentin Nelson got signed, uh, Braden Smith, uh, Shaquille Leonard, and, and, you know, there people will say, well, they weren't coming off injury. Well, actually, that's not true. Nelson and Leonard were coming off of injury. Leonard was on the pup uh, at the time when he signed his extension. And people will say, well, they had never signed a running back. Well, that's not true either. They, they signed Naheem Hines in that situation. Now, it, if the team wants to change that and and – Clearly, they do. If they want to change that history, that's fine. But it's not going to necessarily ring true in the locker room where the where they've gotten used to. If you if you get drafted and you're you're a star right away, you're going to get paid before the final year of your rookie deal. So there there's there's there was reason for him to expect the deal now, and the Colts are breaking their precedent. Now, are they well within their rights to do that? Yes, they they can do whatever they want. But you can I can understand why. Uh, as a, as one of the drafted players having seen You know, he was there for all those extensions. Having seen that happen with all those other players, I can understand why he would have expected one now.
0: Joel Erickson of the Star is covering the Colts with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group potline. so is Kenyon Drake brought in because they need positional help here during camp, or is there a longer-term season type of view with a guy, you know, that has experience playing with the type of quarterback that people hope Anthony Richardson can be?
3: Well, I, I, think, I think the biggest thing with Drake is that they're they're pretty short on experience and pretty short on sort of the, the every down, um, first and second down tight back with, with Taylor out and with Zach Moss uh, injured. Now, Moss, if you do the math six weeks, that kind of puts him right around the season opener. So I, I still think there's probably a chance that he could be ready for that. But, you know, this is the time of year when you have 90 guys on the roster and you kind of you, you make sure you have people in different places to do that because Deion Jackson's a third down back, Evan Hall's a third down back, um, and and as far as what he is going forward, uh, a lot of it just depends on Taylor if they if they need if they decide they need Drake. I I don't think at this point in his career that Drake is the sort of guy that you would consider competition for a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, even when even even when Kenyon Drake was at his best, he was kind of a number two option in the NFL. Yeah. You know, so, um, well, I do think that just with the injuries and stuff, that you start looking at it that way.
0: Well, when you think about it, last year in Philadelphia, when Shane Steichen was there, they had Miles Sanders who rushed for over 1,200 yards, and obviously Jalen Hurts who went over 700 himself, and then a, a couple of dudes that went, I think, uh, 200, 300 plus, something like that as well. So I was just kind of thinking a long term stick option maybe in this offense more than just kind of you know a running back brought in in camp would be what the Colts are thinking
3: I I I think he's more than a camp body I think there's definitely a chance he makes the roster I've just seen some people sort of say well this is this is a message to Taylor and I guess I guess there is maybe a message in just where we can find somebody else but in terms of Drake replacing Taylor I think that's That'd be a stretch at this point of Drake's career.
0: You think at all, behind the scenes privately, there is any content with understanding that the Colts, and organizationally speaking, they believe they're going to have a a bad season, something they would not talk about outwardly, certainly. But is there some understanding there that they would expect to have a bad season coming up this year?
3: I, I mean, I think you can see it with some of the moves they've not made. You know, They're going into a season with a very, very young cornerback group, very unproven. You know, they they didn't really address that. They didn't add a whole lot of veteran depth or competition to the offensive line. There's there's moves that they could have made if you feel like you're going to, like, really contend for a division title instead of just hope to surprise. And I don't know that they did any of those. And so I think – I think there is some of that behind the scenes. If, if they thought they were going for it, then you probably keep Stephon Gilmore and you sign another corner and you do that kind of stuff. And they didn't do any of that.
0: Yeah. Well, they did last year too. And, and you would have to think that Chris Ballard was certainly wondering about his future, Right going into last year, and then they, they made those moves, including bringing in Stefan Gilmore, which would be, you know, major expect-to-win-something type of moves, and then this year they kind of cut themselves from that. How much of this is the comfort now that, that Ballard has, even if it's comfort that he shouldn't have, but he does now from Jim Ursay moving forward with his decision-making in mind?
3: Well, I think... I think the fact that they kept him and then decided to go, you know, very obviously from the start, we're going with a young quarterback, we're going with a rookie quarterback that we're going to have to develop. But the key the key for me was at the owners' meeting, Jim Irsay said, we know once we start going down this road that there aren't any exit ramps for a while. <laughs> and, um, well, there maybe are some scenarios where an exit ramp shows up faster than you'd expect, Generally, that's true. It's They're going to have to give Richardson time to see what they have in him. And if you're going to bring in Shane Steichen and hire him, you don't get a different general manager to pair with him. So I think that, that, that you know, what they're doing is they're like, we're going to see where we are with Richardson, and that's a future play. You know, Chris Ballard said we, we drafted him for what we think he could be. And so that's a future play, and that means that there's there's there should be, at least, security for the guy's who are pulling the strings behind him otherwise you make it harder on your quarterback.
0: Yeah, Joel, the past couple of practices for Richardson, you've described this as well have been much better. In comparison, how much better have they been compared to the previous efforts in practice of the rookie quarterback?
3: Oh, I mean, quite a bit better. It's a very significant difference. You know, he had a he had a 5 of 13 day, um, he had a an 8 of 13 day I think were the two preceding these last two, and then he's 15 or 19 the last two days. And, you know, some of that is, some of that, it should be said that there's, the defense was missing five starters at points, including three members of the secondary. Um, you know, Julian Blackman wasn't out there. Rodney Thomas wasn't out there. Uh, Kenny Moore wasn't out there the other day when he when he had his big day. Force Buckner wasn't out there. So it, it wasn't like it was the full-on first team defense, but it still is much better than he'd been playing before. And he made some big plays in situations that are sort of designed to test players. They put them in what Shane Steichen calls a call-it period. These matter a lot to him, where they don't have it scripted and the player can't study it beforehand. They're calling it like they would in a game. Um, And then he made – that he got his red zone period, and it was, I think, from the 25 with 46 seconds left, and they had to get a touchdown and two-point conversion, and they had one timeout. And – he scored on the second play. He had found Colin Granson on the second play and then ran in a two-point conversion on the next play himself. You know, and those – when when guys start to show up in those situational things, now granted it's not a game, but when they do well in those situational things, that, that does get the coach's attention. Like I said, Shane Steichen likes those call-it periods. He puts a lot of emphasis on those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. That's, that's wonderful there in the background. I love that too, yeah. man. We've all been down that path, brother. It's all good, man. Yeah. It yeah, is all could. I just want to make sure. Are you told
3: okay... it a little fussy.
0: Oh, Are you okay to, to hang? I want to make sure because it's dad first yeah, I'm here.
3: I'm good. I'm
0: good. I think I got him. <laughs> so, Joe A. Erickson of the Star with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. You know, with all this Jonathan Taylor soap opera going on, we have really not talked at great length about two of the major categories in which this should be ample question marks both at offensive line and in secondary. Are we kind of skipping over this? Is it convenient to skip over it because of the storyline of Jonathan Taylor and are you like me major concern with both of these categories?
3: Yeah I am I I am with you on that I mean I I think that the Taylor things were turning to supernova to the point that especially even in the first week of camp um, people were, were, were asking about Taylor more than they were asking about Richardson. I went in thinking you know Richardson was going to be the end-all, be-all of every training camp practice. That's kind of turned a little bit to where it's now I'd say it's it's half Richardson, half Taylor. But the offensive line is a big question, especially to me. I think the biggest question is is not you know what are you going to get from the starters. Although I think that there are definitely questions there. If you get if you get development from Bernard Riven at left tackle, I think that goes a long way to helping you. I think that development's probably expected, given that he's a third-round pick uh, with, with little experience before that. But my biggest question with the offensive line is what are they going to do when someone gets hurt? Um, and somebody's going to get hurt. There was a year a couple of years ago where every starter started every game, and that's, that's the rarity, not the, not the norm. So uh, the depth is interesting. Danny Pinter is back, but he's, he's really been successful mostly at center in his career. Um, outside of him, not a ton of proven options in the inside. At tackle, they just signed Dan Skipper from Detroit, who was still available despite starting five games for the Lions last year. And then they got the fourth-round pick, Blake Freeland. None of those are, are plug-and-play options, at least as it seems right now. So with me, the offensive line is – is it's. I want to see what happens with those starters, but the depth is a big issue. And then at corner, you know – the, the the applicants for the outside corner position are essentially two guys in their second year who were undrafted free agents free, and then three rookies. And expecting to get top level play out of that group is probably, is probably, you know, foolhardy. And, and Chris Ballard isn't even expecting it himself. I think what he said was, you know, we're going to take our lumps at times back there or something to that effect during a his press conference. And I think that's fair. Like, so from a corner, from a defensive perspective, last year, I think we all remember Stephon Gilmore won, was a big reason they won some games, and there were other games that the corners had a big had a big emphasis on it. I don't know if that's going to happen this year, and I wonder what that means for a, the pass rush, because they're going to need time to get home. And I don't know, you know, if if these guys struggle or nobody steps to the front, that's going to be tough, difficult. Then a defense is going to be kind of a sitting duck.
0: So Joe Erickson the Star covers the Colts via the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. I guess uh, this is question A and B, A. Uh, Could the Colts bring in 19 more tight ends and B. of that 19 plus group right now? Might we see Kylan Granson emerge as a major target for what we hope to be the growth of Anthony Richardson from week number one on?
3: So tight end is really interesting um, because it feels like there are more guys who could fill those spots than there are spots. Um, Drew Ogletree is probably having the best camp so far, and he obviously was hurt last year, wasn't on the roster. Jelani Woods has has been hurt and is not playing in camp, but I think everyone understands he's the guy with the most upside. As a true number one tight end, he's the guy who can stretch the field, give them the explosives that Shane Steichen wants. And then you've got Granson, very reliable receiver. You've got the new pick, Will Mallory. You've got Mo'Ally Cox, um, who's been around for a long time and been mostly successful as a on-the-line blocker. Um, that's five guys. They're not gonna ca- I don't think they're going to carry five tight ends. Farrell Brown's here and got a shout-out for Shane Steichen, too. They're- Some of these guys are going to end up getting cut, and I wonder if they end up going young with it. Uh, like I said, I kind of ran those guys down. I know Drew. Ogletree you is think the guy that they you like think
0: Mo blocker. will Mo be in trouble in this Mo well, Cox?
3: It depends on the blocking. of, I think mostly of mostly probably of Ogletree um, because if you look at what Steichen did last year, he had Goddard, and then he had a a, a receiving tight end that kind of fits the Granson mold. Then he had a blocker, and the blocker would be Alley Cox's thing. But if you've got Ogletree in that role and you feel good about him, that makes me wonder, you know, is, is Mo Alley Cox maybe in that scenario, which, you know, I don't think we would have seen that coming a couple years ago, but I think it's possible now.
0: All right, Joel, speaking of which, any of these veterans or maybe a, a couple of veterans that you think may have some issues in terms of making the opening week roster?
3: Well, I think, you know, Ellie Cox is probably the first one. Um, in terms of guys that have been around a lot, there's there's some thin spots on this roster, I think, elsewhere that maybe precludes you from it. But in terms of some guys who maybe we heard their names this offseason, like I know, you know, I think Isaiah McKenzie is probably in a good spot, especially with his punt return and kick return. But they've added some other wide receivers, and obviously there's Josh Downs. Um, you know, people – we're interested in Amari Rodgers because he was a third-round pick when they signed him last week, but that's a third-round pick that has not done much in the NFL. And that, you know, They've got a, kind of a lot of guys like that. Um, but as far as, as surprise cuts that we've seen be here for a while, I just keep when I look at this roster, I just keep thinking, you know, beyond the starters here, it's a lot of question marks, and that makes it harder to cut some of those bets.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that right now. Alec Pierce, you're number two. Even with a rookie quarterback, and and more than likely when they're going to be misses from Anthony Richardson, these things are going to be major misses here. How much do you expect, however, raising the bar on his game in year number two for the wide receiver, Alec Pierce?
3: Well, there's been some really interesting stuff, um, especially like the last time we talked to him. You know, last year when we talked to him, it kind of felt like he was getting used to the NFL and getting used to the schedule and everything he had to do and, and trying his best to learn all of the nuance that Matt Ryan was was telling him. But, you know, it's, it's difficult for a rookie. And this year, the last time we talked to Alec Pierce, he was talking about stuff like, you know, the difference in how certain corners play him and how he's been working with Reggie Wayne on, on what tricks to use when a guy likes to trail the way Daryl Baker does or what, what, do you, what you do when you've got a guy who likes to get his hands on you the way Kenny Moore does. And that, that was interesting. It, it, to me, it signified a different level of understanding and detail to his game that, can re- that Reggie Wayne can obviously really tap into. The question I have with, with Pierce and with Pittman and with all these guys is kind of what you alluded to there is, is there going to be the volume for them? You know, if Richardson starts a bunch of games and they go heavy run, are they going to have the volume and the passing name necessary to put up the big numbers? Or is it going to be something where we're going to go, okay, maybe the numbers aren't a huge step forward, but you can see a difference in Pierce's play and consistency and that sort of thing.
0: Without the melodrama of Jonathan Taylor going on right now, would we be at, or at least close to an extension from Michael Pittman Jr. And ultimately, will the timing of this matter whatsoever? He said, I know last week that he's not worried about it and uh, he's fine with playing this final year out. Um, Does that mean he's been told that he's going to get his at some point?
3: That's a good question. I also wonder if he's fine with playing it out because his position is not one that he has to worry about whether or not he's going to get paid.
0: No doubt. That's it. That's the start.
3: If Michael Pittman Jr. ends up on the market... Like I, this this is a good example. everyone thought the Christian Kirk deal was crazy last year. Michael Pittman has already been more productive in his first three years than Christian Kirk was before he got his deal. Now that deal worked out for the Jaguars pretty well last year, but i I think that Pittman and his agent can make the case hey I've got ninety nine catches, you know eighty two catches I've got a thousand yard season like if the Colts don't sign Michael Pittman jr. he's going to be fine because of the position he plays. I think that's the biggest difference is. If he gets the market, he's going to end up being fine. Taylor is Taylor wants to get the extension from his own team because that's who's paid running backs lately.
0: So, do you think that that, that saga with Taylor at all has had any sort of effect on how the Colts proceed with Michael Pittman Jr.?
3: I I, I get the impression, especially given that Pittman's that that uh, you know Pittman Jr. has a Pittman Senior around, I, I don't necessarily think that it affects it as much because I'm guessing that having an NFL dad probably gives you a pretty good sense of what to do with the market before you get into your career. You know, I don't know that anything really takes him by surprise, given given that his dad was in the NFL for a decade. Yeah. Yeah,
0: final thing here too. What's your impression on Shaquille Leonard and what he has gone through where he is right now compared to Joel? Uh, you and I both had had asked each other questions about, you know, what to expect. We got to see it to believe it. So far in what you have seen again only in practice time and training camp, what's been your impression?
3: Well, so you actually set me up really nice here cuz the story I wrote today, I'm not sure if it's on any star I get or not. is – is the coaches, the defensive coaches, um, talking about Leonard? And I thought they, I thought their quotes were pretty honest. Um, Gus Bradley was saying, you know, we've been we've been seeing incremental improvement, but what we never saw last year was a big leap, where all of a sudden he takes a big jump in movement. And he said that he felt like he saw that yesterday. And then Kato June was talking about, and obviously Kato June, you know, as a, as a former player knows this. He was saying like, when you come off of an injury, the hard part is even after you're medically cleared, you have to get that confidence. And he said that if, he starts, if Leonard starts making the plays that he's used to making where he gets his hands on the football a lot, you'll start to see that. And then maybe he can start, you know, really making these jumps even more. And then I think the other thing was, was Richard Smith, the, 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 the linebackers coach. He said, you know, you know, will he be the guy he was three years ago? I don't know that. And he said he said he doesn't know if Leonard knows that. He said, but if if he can get to the point where they feel comfortable playing him physically, he said he's confident that Leonard's instincts and understanding of football, kind of the way he did two years ago when he was still playing, are enough to make a lot of big plays. Because Leonard was pretty open and honest about the fact that, you know, in, in his last full season, he was hurting. And he was still very productive in that season.
0: In closing, here who gets the start at quarterback in Buffalo Saturday?
3: Uh, that's a great question. I, I, if it was me, it'd have to be Richardson. Like, if because everything they've said is that this guy needs to play, and I just, I just think that you, if that's true, then you play him in the preseason and you maybe play him a lot. But that's just me. Shane Steichen has given very little hint of what he wants to do. He's he's fended off that question three or four times now in the last week.
0: How much of that playbook do you think? Again, one final thing. It, it, the playbook compared to Shane Steichen in, in Philadelphia, because I'm assuming these playbooks will be similar. Uh, it's just going to be the thickness, I think, of these playbooks. How far into the playbook do you think Anthony Richardson is right now?
3: Well, they said that they're over half the install. They're doing call-it period. So he's he's somewhere in that 60 to 67% range, and then they're going to end up tailoring it. I don't think – I mean, you never see stuff really in the preseason anyway, but I think it's going to be even more, even more like that with this Colts team because they feel like they have an advantage and that no one has seen like, what they're going to put out there. So I think it's going to be very, very base level in the preseason. And then we'll get a better sense of it once we get to the regular
0: season. In Buffalo coming up on Saturday, of course, the pregame show is going to be right here. Joel will be up there, I'm sure, documenting things for you as well. And his latest on IndyStar.com is regarding Shaquille Leonard. Joel Erickson of the Star via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Joel, I appreciate that. Have a safe travel to Buffalo, and I'll I'll track you down coming up. I'll be up there for the night practices, the early evening, I should say, practices. That is next week, I believe, Wednesday and Thursday. We'll see you up there then.
3: Yeah, sounds good. Look forward to it.
0: You got it. Joel A. Erickson of the Star on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. A lot there to cover. Get back to you guys on the other side. Tim's going to lead. Anybody else at 239-1070, if you so desire, Uh, we'll be – chatting with you also Luke Bryan tickets to give away before the top of the hour all week long with Luke Bryan tickets on the road Thursday and Friday I will explain that how you can catch up with the show one time at the state fair on Thursday with a legendary hip-hop voice that's coming up on Thursday we'll tell you about that and more and the Luke Bryan tickets for you coming up 93 5 the fan
4: life is full of things to manage your work
1: The Ride with JMV
8: Hey, my buddy, Swanson Move steam ahead,
1: over there I want to go over there i move over Swanson, I'm driving 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan
0: You guys enjoyed Zach Brown Band last night too At Ruoff, off Five of which won tickets right here You enjoyed that so I've got, anybody ever have a a deep itch or irritation in your heel? It's like itching, right? And it's driving you nuts, and you got to take your shoe off, and you got to slam your heel on the floor. Anybody foot doctor-wise out there? Anybody Dr. Shoals? Can you tell me what that is? Because it's driving me nuts right now. Literally slamming my heel to the floor maybe once a year, you get that. I don't know. Dr. Scholes out there can tell me what that might be. By the way, that is not Luke Bryan. That was Zach Brown Band. Luke Bryan. Tickets will give away for the upcoming show before the end of this show. So listen to win for that. Uh this is from mo here I had a supervisor named jeff who actually took a vacation to follow bruce when springsteen was taping his magic lp back in 07 he got a picture of him and bruce together and the look on jeff's face is that he'd found his long lost love jeff was very proud of that portrait Great memories from Mo. We were talking with Jay Query's He's going to see Bruce Springsteen at Wrigley Field on Saturday. I've seen Springsteen once, maybe six, seven years ago at the Yum Center in Louisville. Good time though. I thought he was good. I mean, I'm no no greatly deeply rooted love, but I could check that off my list and be okay. Pretty cool. Hey, Janvy, I'm a Cubs fan, and I agree. They are insufferable. From the stupid Go Cubs, Go song to the fans who have no clue what's going on during the game, it's brutal. That's from Harrison, who's a Cubs fan right there. All right, 239 1070. Let's get Tim on board here. Tim, welcome to the show. How are you?
13: I'm doing well, John. Thanks for taking my call. First of all, I want to say thanks for all the support you give teachers. I'm a teacher, and, uh, I appreciate it. You guys it, so. are
0: awesome. Stay at yeah. it. I, I mean, listen, you get a little bit of a break, and then all of a sudden, man, it comes at you full bore again, just like now.
13: Yeah, yeah, we're hard at it already. You so, are. Uh, yeah, and uh, I missed the, the tickets, though. I was hoping to get some tickets, but uh, I did want to talk about uh, Naeem Hines as it relates to Jonathan Taylor. Yes. Because uh, they gave Hines the contract yeah. last year, and he still had you know time remaining. They renegotiated and gave it to him. And they ended up trading him in midseason anyway. And I'm wondering if, because they did that with Hines, if that's part of the reason they're a little gun-shy to, to pull the trigger with uh, Jonathan Taylor this year.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's a combination of this, too, Tim. I think it is just the major view. Even if I sit here and say that I think he's necessary and the, the Colts would be you know, an exception to what most believe is the running back rule of disposability right now, um, I think they still view him. Um, In that way, I think that they're apprehensive because of the injury of a year ago and not wanting to extend him. And I kind of wonder how Shane Steichen views him if he views him long term in this. So I think those are three areas in which they consider right now why they wouldn't want to extend him at this moment and why they want to see him play out that final year of his deal.
13: Fair enough, fair enough. I, Like I said, I think Himes was more valuable to the team anyway because of all he could do with the slotting out wide and, and catching passes out of the backfield, and Taylor doesn't do that as well. Right, so right. I think Himes was more valuable anyway. So.
0: And, I will, and I've said this all along. You also have to understand that the Eagles had a 1,200-yard-plus rusher a year ago. And I'm sorry, the Colts don't have that on their team right now. So you need somebody that's going to be also competent and productive running the football, and they just don't have that. So that's why I also consider Jonathan Taylor here with the Colts different than what others might feel at running back they have. If that makes sense.
13: Indeed. Well, thanks for taking the call, like I said, and I'll try and call yep. back and get the tickets. Man. You
0: got it, Tim. Thank you very much. Jim McCann of Southern California says, Why do I have a deep itch in my heel? You ready? The most common causes of itchy feet – now, this is this is different, all right? This is not like athlete's foot. I don't know what the hell this is, but it's driving me insane. The most common causes of itchy feet, James, are contact dermatitis, fungal infections like athlete's foot, or bug bites from scabies, <laughs> mosquitoes, or bedbugs. These conditions may also cause a rash, blisters, or scaly skin. That's not what I have right now. I have something that feels like it's in the bone of my heel. I don't have scabies. <laughs> or athlete's foot. What is a foot doctor? A podiatrist? Anybody Doctor Scholes out there can tell me about it. this drive me insane uh gritty says i think you probably need to cut your foot off okay (laughs) jason ellis says lack of blood circulation jason i've heard that before too sometimes in here my toes will get cold and i remember kyle udemark telling me hey you may have circulation problems is that what happens when i get older i mean i know it's a thing that can happen J Law says I'm going to my podiatrist tomorrow. Heel issue, which I hope is plantar fasciitis. I want to uh ask him about the heel itching. Yeah, I don't have that. Uh JMV, I live in Tampa right now, I was just listening to sports radio, and Bucks linebacker Devin White wants 19 to 20 million dollars per year, like Shaq Leonard. They say Shaq is very good, plus a leader. And that's why he's getting paid. Do you think Shaq is a good leader in Indy? We have not seen him on the field in so long. Uh, And I consider this, and a lot of people are going to go, what? I consider what he did year before last in terms of turning the football over as much as he did, and that being an asset. I look at that defensively as a leadership role. But let's just face it, he's going to have to reestablish that. He's going to have to reestablish that to live live up to the expectation that he's already set and the extension that he signed. Joel Bragg, JMV, I'm seeing tweets about Jonathan Taylor ignoring fans at practice. How do you feel about his attitude toward the fans? Joel, I haven't seen it. Send me some stuff. Send me some examples. I see him out there. I see him watching. He doesn't look like he's in a good mood. He doesn't look like he's enjoying it. Is it the body language we're talking about because he's not going over to sign autographs? That wouldn't surprise me that given his situation right now, he wouldn't want to go over and sign autographs. I guess you could. Maybe he does. But I have not seen those tweets. I guess I would have to see a little bit more of the evidence of it. Daryl's at 239-1070. Hello, Daryl. Hey, hey, how you doing, brother? I don't know. I don't have bug bites or scabies. I know that.
2: <laughs> hey, well, you know, the way you were partying on Friday afternoon, you never know. I'll
0: tell you what. I was Daryl for the first time in a while. I got overheated. Normally, the heat and I are okay, but I I got a little bit overheated on Saturday. Check that. Friday night. Friday afternoon.
2: Yeah. Uh, it it looks like you had a tough gig there on Friday. Also, uh, I, I got a, some information from Directv. They said maybe by the end of November, they're going to have that problem fixed.
0: Uh, Well, you mean with Nexstar? Their squabble with – by the end of November?
2: Yeah. (sighs) In October, but more like the end of November. Wow. They're they're way far apart as far as money is. Also, I did hear – did you hear anything about uh, Richardson having some uh, uh, eye problems, vision problems?
0: No, I did not. Did you?
2: Yeah, I heard something on Saturday that they're getting a pair of uh, glasses made for him because he's having some problems with his eyesight.
0: You're kind of like Charlie Sheen and Major League? <laughs> yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> Daryl, it's good to see you, man. Thanks for dropping by on Friday. Uh, all right, brother. We'll Great to see you back right back there. Thank you, uh, brother. Uh, JMV, the Colts extended Hines before the 21 season, not 22, so they kept him a year before trading him. I gave him a top 10 contract to a kick returner, essentially. And what Greg brings up here, and maybe some of the thought process going into this as well, I I just think, and actually know some, but think, for the most part, that they don't trust it, and it's all of the reasons in which I explained to Tim a moment ago. All kind of coming into one right here. And that makes you wonder what, let's just say, for example, he goes out there and he plays this year. What do you think he has to do to get even in the ballpark of what's going to make him happy? He's going to have to carry a major load, right? I mean, what what would the Colts offer? What type of season would it take? If the Colts are leaving him in a situation right now, what type of season would it take? For the Colts to give him the type of extension that he would want, that he would like, that he would expect. Close out with you guys coming up on the other side. Dan Wetzel, Jake Query, Joel Erickson, the podcast 107.5thefan.com. Mike Tannenbaum of ESPN joins us coming up tomorrow. 93.5107.5 The Fan.
1: The Ride with JMV Fat, drunk, and
5: stupid is no way to go through life, son
1: 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan
0: (laughs) There's no way in the world that I could not have come up with these lyrics None Yeah, it's funny, we saw by the way, that's Luke Bryan, number nine at 239-1070 is going to go. That show is coming up August the 18th. What is that, a week from Friday? Ruwafo Mortgage Music Center. Thank you, Kyle and Jimmy and the gang, for that. Luke Bryan tickets, number nine at 239-1070. And I was watching the race yesterday, and the command of fire engines, it was uh, Scott Borchetta, who runs Big Machine Racing check that big machine records and this goes back hell I don't know to maybe a NASCAR event I can't remember when it was it was a number of years ago and I had him on when I was out at the track and I gave him my idea for a song title that remember I was giving that to Clayton Anderson friend of his show and country music artist and the song title was I leave my barn door open which obviously you think, all right, country barn door, and then also I leave my barn door open, which you know, you're ready for some hean and shean, and he completely shot me down, just said, I think that's stupid, and I've never forgotten that. Seriously, so just completely shot me down, and then I remember having to hear it because back then, uh, back then we had Charlie Morgan. And Bob Richards, and they were big-time entrenched in the country music scene, and you know, they questioned why I would ask him that in the first place. So why wouldn't I ask him that? Do you just not hear what we brought back in with Luke Bryan? I, I, I could have come up with that years ago if I just would have. If I would sit down and think long and hard about it. But Borchetta completely shut down the song title. And I need lyrics to it. It's just a song title. i leave my barn door open. And I, to this day, and I guess that speaks volumes about me. To this day, I believe that to be a hit song if somebody put lyrics to it. What do you think? I know you're a metalhead over there. But I leave my barn door open. I mean, throw some other country situations in there.
3: I, th- I think you've got a Grammy on your
0: hands yeah, with that one. I leave my barn door open. And I, I see things that are written by Florida, Georgia line, and others. I'm thinking, hey, so Borchetta said mine? My title is bad. I mean, it's right to my face. Uh, Dave in Brownsburg writes this. So how about this for Jonathan Taylor? 1,000 yards and 15 TDs for an extension. I honestly think and Dave this sounds crazy I think to get even what he would accept he has to go for more than that much more than that does that make sense I think he has to have an oh wow type of season if the Colts would even plan on getting in the neighborhood of what he would accept fair or unfair Mike B. says, I leave my barn door open. Needs to be written by Wheeler Walker Jr. <laughs> Brian Barger is in Circleville, Ohio, the site of Iraq's location. And Romy and Sarah, thank you very much. The beef, bacon, and cheddar. And what others of you, and I'm going to haunt you guys one of these days, that says via social media that that be something completely different than what I meant it to be. But Romy and Sarah brought back, going through Ohio, a bag of racks for me. Racks roast beef. Thank you very much, guys. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. James, great job out of you today. Dan Wetzel, Jake Query, Joel Erickson, Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. Gary's the winner of the Luke Bryan tickets. Mike Tannenbaum, the former NFL general manager tomorrow. Greg Rakestraw, too, and more right here beginning at 3 o'clock 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan have a great night Hey, fans, want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy it floors to your home, right, Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest
12: selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new
0: hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just $0.80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot that's incredible that's three rooms of hardwood laminate or waterproof starting under 350 dollars at floors to your home and you can get it right now we have over 1200 styles in stock floors to your home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in indiana I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations. Avon, Noblesville,
12: and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floor's your home. That's who.